Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick. The young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 82 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. A severely jet-lagged Andrew McGahan is joined, as always, by the, the fountain of life himself. He's keeping me motivated here, ladies and gentlemen. He's keeping me awake. He's blaring air horns down the down the toilet <coughs> to keep me awake. It's Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm good now, Andrew. I'm not too bad. Good all weekend, you know. Fights and Zlatan scoring for Man United and everything. So it's it's been a it's been an enjoyable weekend. It was a thoroughly enjoyable weekend. The, um. Any other, any sort of fucking side stories, any gossip, any UFC 202 fallout you want to tell me about before we get into the crux of it? Well, you were the one over there, I suppose, so you'd, you'd be the best at, at that stuff, but okay. uh, not I, really. I have one thing to ask you. Go on. Before we get started. Have you seen the new series of Robot Wars? No, I, no, I haven't. I heard, I saw you did though. I saw you were on Twitter talking about it. You could be the Robot Wars, the Irish Kenny Florian. <laughs> were you, uh, were you, did you ever watch it years ago? Yeah, I used to watch it years ago, yeah. So they've found whatever laneway Craig Charles has been lying in for the last 10 years. And he's back record. He's back uh, being the voice on it. Dara O'Brien is a host on it. And another oh, Irish really? girl, yeah, is a host on it. But my God, there was an episode last night. You're going to, like, this guy who was in charge of the team. It was a robot called Gabriel. He was his dad. He was a dad and the three kids worked for him. But he wore like a big black long trench coat and had goggles and a scarf on him. God. And he was like, I'm not really a totalitarian leader, blah, blah, blah. But my kids are heavily involved and we're just going to crush all robots. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like this chap is he pretty much uses kids to get onto robot wars like. I like his style. That you have to live vicariously through your kids. If I like, if I ever have children, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live through them. Like that's the, you have to do it. Like just like like like, like Sage Narcot's father, give them steroids <laughs> just so they become elite athletes. Allegedly, that's no, not no, even no. allegedly. No, no, no. I'm saying this is what you do with your oh, children. That's what I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell! No, no, no. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd allegedly do that. Yeah. Yeah, you saw what yeah. I? No, I wasn't trying to make a reference there. I found out Sean as well. Mm-hmm. Um, us saying allegedly doesn't cover us for shit so we need to actually <laughs> what? watch what we're saying will we just delete all the last 81 podcasts just delete like t- people have already listened to them they're not going to listen back yeah. I know some uh, some people on Night Shift have listened back to old episodes in the podcast in the past but uh, sorry boys that's gone we've ourselves to protect here like we're looking long term here and you know if you have li- listened to those podcasts there's there's something that keeps cropping up on all of them, isn't there, Andrew? There Early is. Early in the podcast, what there is, is it? and it for it's it's really aimed towards the people, son, Sean, the vicarious fathers who don't want to give steroids to their kids exactly. and want them to get proper proper athletic development and nutrition into their system. Well, mm. fucking shock and surprise here. We have just the thing for you. Go away. You go away. I have it. Orsnutrition.com. <laughs> Friends and sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast, they are the number one supplement and nutritional company in Ireland. They host the they sponsor the Mighty Dundalk FC, who had a little bit of a time in Europe last week. Unfortunately, two 0 down. The Champions League looks like a bit of a pipe dream at this stage. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks' time. Don't worry about it. 
ROSNutrition.com. Head over to their website for absolutely everything you need. Whether you are a GA player, a soccer player, a rugby player, a martial artist, they have a breakdown of products depending on your sport, what their experts feel you would need to perform at your peak physical performance. If you're just a gym goer, Sean, maybe if those people that listen to the podcast in the gym while uh, busting out the old supersets, you know, getting their gains on. If you want to put on a little bit of mass, if you want to lean out, they have it all broken down on their site as well, saying, look, these are the products that you need, mate, as well as a lot of hard work and effort and dedication in the gym. They've also got um, a lovely array of accessories. I don't know if I told you this, Sean, but my ORS Nutrition Cup is is now my tip jar, and my other one is what I drink out of. So uh, this has just twos and ones in it at the moment. What if people, like, they're thinking, okay, we'll order, but is there anything you can throw in... To make it a little bit sweeter. So, there's two things you can throw in, would you believe? Yeah. After you've ordered a certain amount of things, if you spent over a certain price, they will give you a free product. They'll throw something in for free or they'll say, you're just one or two euros off from getting a free gift. Why don't you add something else to your basket? But it gets even better than that, Sean. Because once you've got all your items in your basket, once you are ready to stick the old credit card details in, you can put in a discount code for 25% off your first order. And what's that discount code? It's called Severe MMA, all in capital letters. Severe MMA gets you 25% off your first order on ORS Nutrition. That's um, that's almost too much. I think we should ring them up and tell them to give people less. I think it's too much. I've been on to them. I was like, boys, you are crippling yourselves here. Like, yeah. This is far too much. Like This is a huge discount. And they were like, no, the fans of the podcast are sound. We want to see them improve themselves as much as possible we want to see them get into the gym and get fit and get healthy take that 25 lads don't make me put it to 35 that's what he said and I was like oh Dara <laughs> watch yourself man she and Nathan are going to be fucking crunk going around with that 25% off I'm telling you they sure are and hopefully some people got in last week and got their free krill oil as well because uh, last week we were giving away a free sample of krill oil with every order that went in so if you did get it, uh, send us a tweet at SevereMAPod or send ROS a tweet at ROS Nutrition. I think it's ROS Nutrition GP on Twitter, actually. Um, but if you just search ROS Nutrition on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, they will, uh, they will all come up. Give them a follow, give them a share. Order off their website, as he says every week, ladies and gentlemen. Help us to help you. Or help They're stealing you to my help fucking us, lines now. Whatever it is. I've nothing to say now. I've nothing. I've nothing to say. You've got about an hour and ten minutes to design a new segue, Sean, for your ORS nutrition segment. I'll leave I leave it with you. Wasn't I a proud one when he pulled out ours? What? Remember, do you remember that? The Unbelievables. Remember that when your man stole the other fella's joke? I've never seen The Unbelievables. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? How? Oh, no. What? So I don't know if you heard me, Sean, but I said I've never seen The Unbelievables. Any, like, any of them? No. I don't even know what it is like. Unbelievables. Like Pat Short and John Kenny. Are you serious? Yeah, done D oh Dun D apostrophe. Yeah. How much are them? I've seen yeah. that. The sweet oh, shop. Well, there, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah the same. I know that video, but I've never yeah. seen anything else. Larkin Sparkling, where they made sparkling water by taking the water out of the toilet and putting it in bottles. Uh, you have to watch him. Uh, come on. Okay, I'll Jesus, do that. You're, you're not Irish. Like it's like having never seen Father Ted or something. Like, like Father Ted is a part of our cultural identity. Exactly. Like, so so is unbelievable. Ah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. At least unbelievable's made in fucking Ireland. Father Ted is Channel Four or ITV or one of them. Yeah, but why is it Channel Four? 
Yeah, because RT wouldn't make. Yeah, because RT wouldn't over that. At the time, Fucking RT wouldn't take them. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, instead, they decided to pay Channel Four money <laughs> to use it in the coming years and months. All right, so they made enough money out of it in the end, anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. Speaking of enough money, speaking of making enough money, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. No wonder Nate Diaz held out for this fight. Two million disclosed purse he got. That is a hundred times more than what he made for fighting Anthony Johnson, Sean. Am I right in saying uh, that? Anthony Johnson? What? Michael uh, Johnson. Yeah. Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I think you probably are, yeah. I think he was on 20 and 20, <laughs> or 20, 20 for that fight. Mm-hmm. Two million flat at the weekend, not including a pay-per-view cut, which I'm guessing he was included on. All I'm saying is, Sean, check out the property listings in Stockton, because someone's buying a new <laughs> motherfucking house this week. They are, yeah, they are. What? Just Where do we start? Our feelings. I suppose, uh, yeah, I suppose we'll start. We'll start at the start. We'll start before, and not just our feelings, but the feelings of everyone gone into. Like people are just even before the press conference and after. We'll we'll discuss the press conference before we get into our fight analysis and everything. But I think people were just they were on tinter hooks all week. All week, like when my pick came out that I said I was picking Diaz, people were literally offended. They were like, "How could you do this?" How can you pick Diaz? Like, this one guy tweeted me like five times. Are you sure you don't want to change your pick? That's nice. Like, like, she's not. I just like, I pick who I think will win. People, people really like were offended by it. And I think Diaz fans were offended by the notion of McGregor winning as well. And it was just, it was, it was a mad feeling. Like I said all along, and I think a lot of people were saying, like, okay, I'd be glad to see the fight. It's going to be a great fight, but it's going to be glad when it's over as well. And I think. That's kind of exactly the feeling, you know. It's it's great now. I think everyone. I think there wasn't that much bad stuff after the fight, but before it was just it was so weird. Like people were so nervous, and it was it was a fight that I think the casual fans and maybe people who weren't invested in it, maybe like non Irish people, non DS fans, were kind of really were looking forward to the fight as a fight, and maybe not as like a, a sport, you know, as a. Uh, as a a fight that made a difference or a fight for a belt or something if, if you're one of those people but I think for the, for the actual people itself it was just kind of a relief for it to be over but coming, coming up to it then I think that kind of it got worse in a way but I think it got better as well because there was a f- little bit of a feeling that there was going to be no Irish people there and there was going to be maybe not as much hype and maybe the it wouldn't sell as well because people, you know, the, because of that hype wasn't there. But the press conference then happened and everything, everything changed. You were, you were right in the middle of it. Tell us, yeah. describe the scene for us. It was like, I think you've kind of built it up really well there. And I think about, you're, you're talking about how when it was over, like in that press conference and in that arena, like when Connor got his hand raised, it was, there was a very weird, like almost a, a collective sigh of relief. Do you know that sort of thing? Like, it was like, he's actually done what he said he was going to do. And nobody gave him a chance of doing it. Like, no fighters were picking him. A lot of US media were picking Nate Diaz. But that, like, I was talking about this at length with Pizzi last week. And when, you and I have spoke about it actually as well, about Connor's weight cut is what steals him. What gets him focused. Do you know, what gets him in, maybe ready to fight. Do you know, because that's when he's going through his depth. But this whole smiling, rubbing his belly, two breakfasts, ready to go in and do my job. He couldn't get into that mindset this time around. Because it's what cost him the last time. He needed to be angry, Sean. Yeah. 
he needed to be pissed off, and I think he was. I think throughout the week, he got more annoyed, more agitated, more frustrated maybe with the UFC. The press conference kicked off. That was absolutely crazy. Nate Diaz, that was, I don't care what anyone says, that was planned. That was completely meditated by the Diaz brothers. Now, I, I flipped on what I've taught last week. They came in. Nate was like, no, I've already got my questions in. I've already promoted this fight. I don't need to sit here and listen to McGregor talk, who was late. He's like, fuck that. I'm up. We're leaving. Squad rolls out. Starts abusing Connor from the back of the, st- from the, from the walkway. Then the SBG guys stand up. The Diaz guys sta- are still standing up. They stand. Nate threw the first bottle. Pandemonium broke out. Andrew McGann, the consummate professional, eyes locked on the camera to get that sweet footage. I hope you saw that. Oh, I saw it. I wasn't fucking about, Sean. I did get a little bit of iced coffee over the back of my neck, but sure, me <laughs> and Jake Shields won't fall out over that. Um, and I just thought it was, from that, from that happening, I was like, lads it's only Wednesday (laughs) you know I was like there's still so much more to come here and I don't know I want to ask maybe what your take on it was from there on did it seem staged did it seem forced did it just seem the right amount of build up after the press conference I think the press conference got people ignited Sean I know we were talking last week when I was doing the Facebook live when I started it had 600,000 views by the time I finished it it had 1.8 do you know, and then 24 hours later, it had 8.6 million views on the UFC's Facebook page. I think I'm going to put my hat out there now early. This is going to be the biggest UFC pay-per-view of all time. Yeah, I, I think it probably will be as well. Your your question there, afterwards, after the, the uh, press conference, what, was, what did people think? Did they think it was staged? I was actually thinking about this last night, and I think it doesn't matter. I honestly think it doesn't matter. Did you, John Kavanaugh was on the MMA area yesterday. So and he Peter said, Carroll. he was, but um, John Kavanagh said a quote that McGregor said to him. He said, McGregor said to him after the wins, the illusion of insanity is over. Now it's time for the game plan. Right, so he he's basically admitting there that it's all an act, you know. It's, it's all preparation for the fight. It's all promotion. None of it's real. Remember after his first fight in the UFC, he said, this is like WWE to me. Yeah. And Holy you know what shit, w- what a shout. You know what WWE is, right? Everyone knows what it is. It's it's fake. It's predetermined. It's scripted. Yet people still tune in all the time. Yet people still buy the WWE network and for years have bought pay-per-views, even though they've known it's scripted. It doesn't matter. If it's if it's hyped up, it's hyped up. Is it doesn't matter if it's real or fake. It's that fourth wall that's there. Though if you don't break the fort wall, and even if you do, even if you do, as WWE have proven, you can still hype a thing up. You can still make it huge. And the fact that it's that we know it's real, and we know that they get in there and they actually fight, gives that something that the WWE doesn't have. The WWE, at least, you know, just kind of, as McGregor said, the illusion. The WWE only has an illusion. But MMA breaks that illusion with the realness so you can do all this thing even if it's staged even you know i'm not saying it is but even if mcgregor and diaz rang each other up and go look we're going to do this at the at the workout or at the press conference and we're going to plan all this even if that's all planned you're still going in there and they're still having a real fight so it doesn't really matter and i for me diaz 
Diaz planned it he planned on walking out if McGregor turned up late now if McGregor turned up on time I probably think it wouldn't have happened at all they would have sat down did the press conference did the the stare down it would have been all fine and dandy but when McGregor turned up late he was like fuck this and walked out which look it was fair enough it got it escalated a little bit too much you know throwing the throwing the water bottles and stuff and then McGregor throwing the cans back that was that was all too much throwing cups of coffee trying to pick up laptops and throw them that, that was all a bit too much but it it did what it needed to do. You know, it got people to buy the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view numbers aren't out yet, but you just know it did. You saw Kanye West was there. You saw Gordon Ramsay was there. Oh, don't. So I much. am raging. Gav oh. and Graham interviewed Gordon Ramsay. I thought you did. I heard about that. I, I am you, absolutely. I? Inter- I would have had a selfie up with Gordon Ramsay ages ago, Sean. He's the man. Yeah, he's a great man. Anthony Kalidas as well from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was there. Who's Jesus. at them quite a lot anyway. Gav, them, yeah. Gavin Graham interviewed him as well. I was like, boys, this is not on. Like, I'm going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers on Thursday. Yeah, yeah he's going to let me know. Like, uh, Belfast. Belfast. Um, so for me, after that, that press, I was like, yeah, the selling has been done. Then at the open workouts and the media day, like, Connor just put an exclamation mark on it. And I was talking to a couple of media members last week, Sean. There was a... And these are high... Highly respected media members. Yeah, from me, US. was it? As I'm from well, the US. Oh, yeah. As well as yourself. Yeah. I'm not going to say that the UFC were trying to bury the promotion of this fight. Or take Connor down a little bit. But there was a couple of things that just didn't make sense to me last week. Okay? Starting, like Dana calling that press conference off. You seeing Connor being annoyed, being like, let me talk. Do you know, let me speak. You know, that sort of way. He's like, I need to speak. That didn't happen. Connor gave a very, very short workout the following day, which was in the Red Rock, a $60 taxi away from the MGM. There was still a lot of fans there. It was still full. The venue that they had was full. But they would have had a lot more people if they had had the open workouts somewhere in the MGM. Why did they not do that, I wonder? That's what I want to know. It didn't seem like there was a convention on. It didn't seem like there was something on down at the MGM arena. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, okay, a 20 minute cab all the way out to the Red Rock. Do you know, that's ridiculous. Or like a, a $60 or $20 Uber. Then for the uh, the early weigh-ins as well, we're out in that hotel as well, out in the Red Rock. Um, still a good amount of media there. I was the only Irish uh, there, but like all of the big US outlets were there. And it just seemed like Connor's one interaction with the media were four, well, three questions and one statement from myself during a fuck up. <laughs> we'll come to that later. Don't tell them, tell the people about that. You'd never even replied to my message. I oh, yeah, I was that. raging, Sean. I was cursing you. Like, I was like, no, I'm not replying to him. Like, <laughs> fucking brilliant. So, because I was rattled there. Like, do you know what I mean? That I was, was all right. It wasn't but that bad. I know. It was his reaction was the worst. Yeah, that that, that really annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was the reaction more than anything that upset me. <laughs> but it was just kind of like, Andrew, would you, you should, I fuck suppose off, you like, should explain it to people. They won't know what we're talking about. Go ahead. Uh, watch the, the way in video. I asked the first question, but I, by question, I, I mean, I kind of just give a statement. Yeah. Instead of asking Connor, Connor, do you think yesterday's press conference is going to improve the pay-per-view bike this weekend? I kind of just went on a little bit of a tangent on the microphone, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, instead. But um, these things happen. So it seemed like Connor's exposure to the media that week was very limited. You know, yeah. it was very restricted, and 
he his in his limited time he was able to sell the fight, say the right things. If you're with the Diaz brothers, then fuck you too. Do you know what I mean? If you look at like maybe being cut off at the press conference, only having two or three questions to ask at the open workouts, and you're looking to try build this fight, he did the exact right thing to build that fight in the arena that he had at the time, if that makes sense. He had no other time. Then the weigh-ins came. Will we skip for... Oh, no, sorry. Then the interview with Chris Avila came. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that we'll later get on. We'll get to that later on. Yeah. Then uh, the weigh-ins. Open, yeah. the weigh-ins. What did you take take from the actual weigh-ins? Nothing, really. You know, um, they look, they both, the, the early weigh-ins, I think, were great. You know, it did make much of a difference, obviously, from Greg really because he wasn't, cutting, he wasn't cutting any weight. But uh, Diaz... I don't think Diaz probably cut a normal amount of weight. I'd say so. It didn't make any difference really to the main event. The actual wins then. Uh, McGregor had a little bit of a flinch again, but Diaz a little bit of a flinch as well. I think, and it didn't make like you know me now. I don't read into these things, but people were saying he's in his head and stuff. And uh, McGregor, I think, going into this fight, he was all business. You know, there was no smile when the camera came to him for his walkout. There was no bullshitting at the weigh-ins, you know, having any predetermined lines or anything like that. He, you know, he said what he said to, to Diaz, whatever he said, something about his bitch tits and all this. And he was just all business coming in. And I suppose going in, you don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether what his his mood is like. You know, he's usually happy-go-lucky kind of chap going into fights like that. Although he hasn't been always been that way, but you know, a lot of people, it's it's kind of guesswork, you know. Is it going to make him better? Is it going to make him worse? We don't really know until he gets in. And I think when they got in there, it was just magic from moment one. I have a theory, Sean. Yeah. I think he was a little nervous. I'd say so too. On that walk to the fight. It just, like this, this was unlike any Conor McGregor entrance, demeanor, walkout that you've ever seen. And the main thing was what you said there, the little smile to the camera. Do you know, when I saw that, when I didn't see that on the screen, I was like, Fuck, he means business. Like, do you know what I mean? This, like, going through his head now is like, I am walking for the first time. Like, how, like, imagine what that does to someone's psyche, Sean, when every single person that you've been able to fight, Bar Max Holloway, crumbles, that you've won, Bar Max Holloway crumbles under your power. Then you come against Diaz and you get laughed at. And now you're about to make the walk after spending weeks and weeks preparing for these adjustments. And now you're coming out to, to try and. Beat the guy who beat you the last time. Yeah. You know, he was so focused, so composed. It was just, <clears throat> I knew from the walkout, I was like, we are in for a fucking treat here. Like, this yeah. is going to be. And I said it leaving. I genuinely think that was one of the greatest fights I've watched live. You know, it just had such a, st- like, if you include all the stories, all the build up, the back and forth action in the rounds the crowd, the arena. If we just talk one thing about the way, and Sean, you're talking about the Irish fans, they came out of nowhere. Yeah. And this is a massive shout to the J1 students that we bigged up last July. They came out in force. It seemed like most, any, if you're an Irish J1 student, you're finishing up your J1, you were on the west coast of America, it seemed like you were in Las Vegas last weekend. Now, maybe they were lacking being in the venue because of the ticket prices. I know a lot of them bought tickets outside the venue. Um, a lot of people from Dundalk as well. But it seemed like the arena was firmly on Connor's side. And I am putting a little bit of it down to maybe the late arriving Irish contingent that got him, maybe got the atmosphere kicking off at the Wayans again. This wasn't just a Conor McGregor fight flying under the radar, like not as many Irish like there was in March or something like that. 
this was just, lads, we're ready for this now. Because there was just some crack in yeah. that Wayne's. That was probably the best Wayne's that I've experienced. And also, Sean, the Wayne's were in a ballroom. Do you know what I mean? So what's going on there? Conor McGregor's been big enough in the past for them to open full-size venues, full arenas. Yeah, I think they might have been a little bit worried as well that the Irish fans weren't going to be there because yeah. they, had, you know, they hadn't seen the amount of um, ticket sales and stuff coming from Ireland. So maybe that's it. You know, we, I suppose we get to the Dana White stuff later on because there's a lot of stuff he said after the, the things. All, but I, I suppose let's get into the, the fight a little bit. The I meat think you, and bones of it. The meat and bones of it. I think you made a point there. <clears throat> about McGregor walking out and being a little bit nervous because he's fighting someone who he fought who didn't crumble. And I think something that was understated coming into this fight was the balls of McGregor. The balls of him to take this fight again, to take it out welterweight. And there are you know, a lot of talk afterwards and he said it and a lot of his he fans said it. He said it as well, I think, didn't he? No, but a lot, of, no, what I'm saying, is, a lot of his fans said it and he said that people doubted him. And people were right to doubt him. And he doubted himself. Afterwards in the press conference, he said, I thought it was it might have been a mistake to take this fight at welterweight. And it probably was a mistake to f- take this fight at welterweight because I think the, uh, the people's, um, people's issue coming in was would his cardio stand up? Would he be able to fight normally uh, like he normally does over five rounds? And I think on Saturday night he proved he cannot do that. I think he proved that he has. But uh, you know he can't fight the, the way he normally does over five rounds at welterweight and win can't do that but what he proved was he can change he can change to fight in a way that makes him still win and go five rounds against someone bigger at a bigger weight and I think that's absolutely fantastic and can't be understated for him to go in there and do that was just unbelievable in my opinion like for for me, and we spoke about it loads last week. What we expected was McGregor to win the early rounds, which he did. For him to tire a little bit, which he did, and for the fourth and fifth rounds to be unknown, we won't don't know what's going to happen. Can McGregor co- come through the adversity? Can he? You know, will Diaz take him down and submit him? We know Diaz could do it late. We didn't know McGregor could do it. And I suppose before we even get into the nuts and bolts of the analysis, just the story of the fight. You know, McGregor fights Diaz in the pocket. He doesn't fight his own game because he knows he can't fight his own game. He gets a, he wins. He knocks Diaz down. He's miles ahead. Then Diaz comes back at the end of the second, wins the third. Looks like McGregor's finished at the end of the third. McGregor rallies back at the fourth, the biggest round of his life, wins the fourth, and the fifth is even. He holds on. Doesn't look as tired as Diaz even as it comes towards the end, and it holds up. Just... It, it, you like you couldn't write it. It's just it was a magnificent fight. Now, for the stakes that were in it, and for what we spoke about, McGregor walking out and him being nervous and him coming back against someone who he knows he can take his shots. I think that made it a great fight. Now, I don't think, I don't think it's the best fight of the year. Just on a fighter A against fighter B, what actually happened? The skills, the the you know the. You know, the, the endurance, the, the blood, the madness. It, I don't think it was the best fight, but for, for the story, it was. There's not, I don't think there's anything maybe that can ever match it that's ever happened in the UFC. The fight alone was a great, great fight. It was probably, I think, second maybe second or third best fight of the year. But for the story, for the 
how it captured you. I was talking to someone who's not Irish or not connected to Diaz, not connected to McGregor, and they were telling me they were watching it and you know they were new to it at the start and kind of just all looking looking forward to how it came. And by the time the third, second and third round came, they were off their seat jumping around like watching this fight. It was one of those fights. It was just it's one of those fights you're gonna remember where you are for the rest of your life, I think. It's one of those. Completely. I was uh, in the nosebleeds. <laughs> What 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 do, was your thing like? Obviously, you were in the arena. Could you was it like that for you, or was it more of a, was it an insane kind of feeling, or did you just just get caught up in the fight, or was it caught up in the crowd? Because it tends to do yeah. that sometimes in the arena. So I've um, I've spoken about this quite a bit, and for me to like I I believe a lot in energy. I believe a lot in taking things in as they happen. And I was soaking that all in everything. Like the crowd were so pro Connor when he came out booing Diaz when he came out but throughout the fight the crowd support changed you know what I mean when one guy had momentum they were cheering Diaz when Connor started walking away they were booing Connor it was electric and I think my seat actually helped because I was up the very top so the noise is rising do you know what I mean so you're hearing everything you're hearing every cheer every roar every big crowd reaction that maybe you'd miss out if you're on the floor or if you're in a different seat like because it's the opposite side of the stadium but the sound rose and the sound just filled the arena. It was shaking at times. It was just... When you're talking about the story and the, the setup of the fight and everything like that, for me, that was probably the best atmosphere that I've experienced of a UFC fight. And I do take into account that, like, it's been pretty cool that I've been at, I've covered all of Connor's fights in the UFC. I've seen all of these atmospheres. Dublin was phenomenal, but that's a completely different situation in, its, in itself. Like, you can't compare... The, an Irish, a fully Irish arena reacting to an Irish guy winning as you can to this, but it was just, it was something else. It, it's definitely the standout moment of my um, career, I suppose you could say, and covering yeah. covering live mixed martial arts. Just, it was something else. I can't, I, I feel like I can't properly digest into words because it almost feels like you need to relive it to be, you know, it's a real in the moment sort of feeling that you're like, this is all happening at once. You know, like everything is just going on in this arena, and the fight in itself was spectacular. Shall we talk about the first round? Yeah, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of the fight, right? For me, I was if anyone I was, was so to take impressed. An eight minute <laughs> piss break. Sean Sheen is just going to break down the first round now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No, this is this is going to be good. I was I was so impressed with how well McGregor fought, both offensively and defensively, like. First defensively, because that's what I was most enamoured by. And he fought so well. Okay, when I when I analysed this fight, I thought he was going to fight in his usual game and try to beat Diaz over the first three rounds and finish him with, you know, by taking him out uh, limb by limb, kind of. And he, he did that, but he didn't do it in his normal fashion. He did it in the same fashion he tried to do it in the first fight, except with a little bit more nuance, right? McGregor coming into this fight, it was all about how I don't want anything to change. I want to fight this fight at 170. I want to fight in Las Vegas. I want to fight, you know, against an ATS. And he wa- I think he wanted to, or maybe he didn't want that, but he did fight it in the pocket. He fought Nate Diaz's game against Nate Diaz and beat him. And he did it so well. He did it simply. He didn't draw half as many kicks, which I which I thought he'd do. He drew a lot of kick, leg kicks, which I thought he'd do as well. But um, he did it 
in a way that drew Nate Diaz again, right? I think John Kavanagh spoke about it yesterday on, on the MMA hour as well, that every time he, uh, uh, he threw a leg kick, Nate felt he had to answer it back. And that played into McGregor's hands. Like, if you look at the first fight, if you look at all Nate Diaz's fights, when he can lean on that front leg and when he can throw his jab, that's when he's at his best. And McGregor totally and utterly took the jab away from him. And maybe looking at it, it looks like it's it's counters he's he's hitting McGregor or he's hitting Diaz with, but it's actually not. It's it's exchanges he's winning. They they throw basically at the same time, and McGregor wins every time. Watch watch the first round. He hits Diaz so many times with the left hand when Diaz jabbed that he stopped Diaz jabbing. He stopped the man with a great jab with a lint advantage. He stopped him from jabbing. He took that away from him and he kicked his front leg and he stopped him from going forward. That's why he won the first two rounds so well and so easily. That's why he dominated because he took everything away from Diaz early. And it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. Like you, if you're fighting Nate Diaz, the last thing you should probably do is exchange with him in the pocket. That's the last thing you want to do when you're fighting the Diaz brother. And that's the first thing McGregor did. And that's why he won, because he won there. And I, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Okay, later in the fight, Diaz was forced to come back. And it, his will is unbelievable. He got knocked down three times. And at the end of the second round, he said, fuck this, I'm walking straight into these shots. And he walked into hard shots in the second, third and fourth round. McGregor hit him with one in the third round, which which Diaz ended up winning. That could have knocked it would have knocked anyone else straight it out. Went through his face. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even didn't even knock him down. He just stood there, and he was you could see clearly rattled him. It looked like he was knocked clean out, but he just he just threw his shot straight away. He was fine. Okay, the first if we go through the first two rounds, McGregor won. If you watch the second round again, people thought it was Diaz. If you if you see someone who's scoring that for Diaz, having rewatched it, fair enough. When you're watching it live, you can get caught up. If someone says they've rewatched it they know nothing about scoring just write their opinion off because it was a hundred percent a mcgregor round the third was um was close slow down up uh, are we slowing down do you want to I'll, I'll, let me just go through how i scored it and then okay. we, you can go back and analyze the third was a little bit close i think diaz was winning a little bit even though mcgregor had uh landed the big power shots in the third but then diaz's late flurry was was huge um and and he took that round the fourth mcgregor just came back Let's talk about. We'll get into the fourth after. So, give us your thoughts on the first three. From the first round, yeah. At the second of the first round finished, I was sitting back and I thought he's going to win this fight. And we spoke about, or I, I definitely have mentioned this a lot over the last couple of weeks. I was happy to hear the message coming out of the SBG camp that they were preparing for a specific opponent, that they were preparing for someone like Nate Diaz, that they had someone like Connor Wallace, that they had someone like Keen Cowley in the camp that have similar frames to Nate Diaz and would be able to prepare for eight weeks straight against that body type. And if you think of the two attributes that those two specific training partners that Connor had brought in, Keen Cowley's a Muay Thai specialist, Connor Wallace is an unbelievable boxer. Connor came out and the first thing that he did in the first round was try to hammer the leg off Nate Diaz to take the lead leg out. Yes, yes, Diaz did end up checking kicks. <laughs> Sean Sheehan, <laughs> you are the man. But you could see that this was something... Connor was going in and he was fighting as if this was another spar. Do you know, like this wasn't a puzzle that I'm figuring out as it's going along. This is almost exactly what we had planned for. Do you know, it's like th- this couldn't have been happening better. There was a few times that I thought it caused Diaz to twitch more. So, like, the threat of the leg kick yeah. prompted Diaz to lift the leg 
preemptively as if he's going to check. And then Connor was able to land shots body upwards with his hands. You know, there was times when it looked like Connor was setting up hands and he lands an absolutely deadening kick flush into the thigh. He was able to disguise his strikes very well that Diaz wasn't able to get a sense if Connor was about to box with him or if Connor was about to kick with him. And I think that he didn't try power or load up after a clean shot. He landed a couple of really clean shots in the first first two rounds that he then chilled. Do you know what I mean? He didn't think, there's one, there's another. There's another. Why am I getting tired? Why is he not falling down? It was like, um, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. This is going 25. Do you know what I mean? I think Connor knew that himself before the fight. I think he knew it was going deep. In the second round, the two knockdowns, I just want to talk on the, the second knockdown. The first one, Diaz did the chicken leg. Do you know, Diaz was, wo- Diaz was ro- wobbled. Diaz went sideways. He tucked the ground. But the second knockdown, I'm not too sure of. So watching it live, I got the feeling that Diaz wanted him to come onto the ground with him, potentially because he was hurt from the first knockdown. I thought the second knockdown, if you watch it back, Diaz goes down very easy, as if he wants Connor to engage in the ground, or if he needs a little bit of chill time. So he's like, look, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down with this shot. Do you know? And then when I watched it back on tape, I was like, but he caught him lovely. Do you know what I mean? He did connect really nice with the straight left that put him down for the second one. So now I'm split on it. But it, it, it's not the most unlikely scenario in the world for a Diaz brother to come out and be like, yeah, I went on the ground. Like, he went down with that shot. You know, I don't think it's a completely unrealistic thing to expect because he's that much more confident than Connor on the ground. I think McGregor is so excellent at cutting off the cage and not giving you opportunities to come forward, whether that's with strikes or with takedowns, that Diaz had to do something. Yeah. Like, I'm sure a plan of Diaz's was to get McGregor against the fence in the first two rounds, and he couldn't do it until late in the second. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't get near him. He couldn't get any bit of forward movement at all with his strikes or with his grappling. And, and I, th- that, I think you're right a little bit. That, especially we need, even if he did knock him down, he saw him on the ground. You know, come on, come into my guard. And McGregor was smart not to do that. He was smart to let him get back up, or uh, let Diaz get back up and fight again. And if you're talking about that, about not being able to be backed up against the cage, this is where the Conor Wallace influence comes in, okay? There was a few times, and it did affect him later on in the fight, maybe when he was fatigued, but Conor was using excellent head movement, like shoulder rolls, dip, like dipping his head, sort of missing shots completely. Like he was nearly putting his back up against the cage to make Diaz miss at certain times in yeah. the second round, and it was working. But it didn't work maybe to the level of, say, so he, he picked that up from Conor Wallace, but maybe with eight weeks more training than he, in that sort of style, then he slips even more of the shots. But some of the shots were breaking through and the head movement, he didn't rely on it as much in the later rounds as he did when he was fresh and he was confident of being able to slip those shots. And Roddy, when I watched it back, Roddy was heard uh, in the corner. Do you know what I mean? He was telling Conor, when they switched to the corner in the second, he was telling him to calm down, to keep his hands high towards the middle of the second round. And I think that between him and John, they were able to steady Conor massively in that second round. Because look at it this way. Conor McGregor's in there. He's knocked Diaz down twice in the second round. And I think he did. He was more willing to expend energy towards the latter end of the second round because he thought Diaz was either still out of it or that the finish was there. And that's how the tide sort of changed. Diaz capitalized. He won the end of the second round, but two knockdowns in the first do not in the first three and a half minutes do not make that a Diaz round. Yeah, you know, I don't care what anyone says. I agree with you there. If anyone scores that round for for Diaz, have them checked, right? Yeah. And this is when it happened. And Connor tripped up against the cage. I don't think he was rocked. 
Do you know what I mean? But Diaz started putting massive pressure on him. This is when Connor was not as good at getting off from the cage. But it was just the grappling, I think, actually saved Connor. It did tire him out a little bit. It did definitely tire him out. But Diaz wasn't a high output grappler in that fight. The yeah. same way he's not a, a high output. He's a high output striker, but he's not a, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten sort of strikes. He's not a Donald Cerrone Mortal Kombat finishing sort of thing. Diaz will slap you. He'll work the body. He'll just happily throw shots at a good volume, but at his own pace. And I think the gra- like Connor's grappling, nobody's talking about it because he won the fight. Connor was taken down once in that fight out of seven takedown attempts. Sergey wasn't in his camp for the, I think maybe he was away with the Moldovans wrestling team or something like that. But this is what a fully fit Conor McGregor's grappling and wrestling ability is against someone like Nate Diaz up against the cage. And that's something that's been overshadowed. It was beautiful grappling exchanges. Pizzi thought I was off my head talking about it. But they were just... It was just so calm. It was like the two. It was like two lads that had so much respect for each other that weren't expending or bursting energy. It was like, yeah, we're pummeling, we're pummeling. Connor started landing good elbows. Diaz started landing wicked body shots. You know, up against the cage. It was just that. It was those sort of exchanges that told the fight for me. Do you know what I mean? Like two tough bastards that were just willing to hit each other and had an undying respect for each other. And it's like we're eating each other's best shots here, and we're gonna see who's gonna fall first. Yeah. Um, just one last thing on the third before we get into it. I thought the spinning kick in the third was going to be his Chris, Chris Weidman moment. Yeah, I thought exactly. Because yeah. Diaz grabbed a single leg, drove Connor up against the cage, and Connor was able to get out. And I was, it was that that I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, he's prepared. Do you know what I mean? He is yeah. ready for this. This is the best Connor McGregor we've seen in the octagon so far. Like, I think a lot of people were saying Diaz needed more takedown attempts. I think he needed more dirty boxing. That's where he had all his success. At the end of the second round, uh, let's speak about the the defense as well, and I'll get back to the dirty boxing. McGregor's defense against the cage was absolutely fantastic, and it's something we never, ever see in MMA because... It's very it's very irregular to see someone with those abilities that McGregor has to defend and someone who will dirty box against the cage like Diaz will. So that's not something we see very often. So for McGregor to pull it out the way he did was just absolutely fantastic. And that's why Diaz definitely didn't win the, the second round because McGregor, a lot of those, if you watch a lot of those shots, okay, some landed, some definitely landed, but McGregor, uh, McGregor got out of the way of most of them. But in the third that's why Diaz won it because okay McGregor threw that kick Diaz put him up against um, up against the cage and he landed a lot of that dirty boxing and he landed maybe 15 20 blows on McGregor and McGregor kind of got a little bit overwhelmed at some stage now I don't think he ever got hurt badly or anything mm, like I that I think he was 15 seconds 30 seconds away from maybe the ref stepping in yeah, at the end of it, the third at the end of the third, he wasn't that badly hurt, but it was an, it was a thing of getting overwhelmed. And like I think it was accumulation at, of damage. I don't think it was accumulation damage either. I don't think any of those shots necessarily hurt him, but it it was just that he was kind of Diaz was thrown so much, and he, I don't know. It, it was just getting overwhelmed. Like it was it was a weird one. It's one of those it's one of those ones. It could have been well, it could have been stopped in. You're right. If we'd have gone on for another fifteen seconds, it probably would have been stopped. But I don't think McGregor would have been hurt. I think he could have just fought on. You know, it was one of those odd situations. But there was a difference as well between being hurt and being tired and being hurt. And I think McGregor looked very very tired at that stage. Like I think everyone watching that fight was like 
oh, he's done for. This is this is going to start the fourth. And McGregor's going to be really tired. Diaz is going to push him up against Fintz again, tire him out for another couple of minutes, take him down and submit him. And I think Second McGregor win. McGregor coming out at the start of the, of the fourth round and he landed a huge left hand that caught Diaz's right eye right open. Now, it was I think it was caught already and it opened the cut more or else it made a new cut. It's, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes. But whatever, that, that shot alone... And his ability to see that and keep shooting and keep jabbing it won him the fight. He It was one of the most brilliant comebacks ever. Because of what had happened in the first fight, he gassed out and he got taken down and submitted. And because everyone, and you know, went through his head, it went through, John Kavanagh said, I'm sure, went through everyone said that, is he tired? Is he going to get taken down? Is he going to get choked out again at that exact moment? It went through everyone's head. And for you to put that to one side... And to come through and come back seconds later and land that huge shot and get the, all the momentum back on your side is one of the most phenomenal things ever. And I think a lot of people, you know, th- there's this thing about McGregor. It's his power seeing him through. It's fighting the bigger guys that that's, uh, he's fighting smaller guys. He's always the bigger guy that saw him through. But I think that fourth round changed things. Someone said to me, McGregor's not going to get the recognition anymore. But I think that fourth round changed everything because... He showed the ability to gut it out when he shouldn't be fighting at 170. When he, you know, he he doesn't have the cardio to fight his normal game. He was taken out of his normal game, forced to fight a different game, and he still came through and still won that fourth round. It was I thought it was just magnificent. Now he he came back again. He started throwing his leg kicks. All the shots came back. As you say, he got his second win. It was it was one of those clear moments that you could see everyone like. Um, 30 seconds or a minute into that fight I think a, a little talk came into everyone said second wind second wind he was just there he was back you know and I think Diaz maybe maybe it hurt Diaz a little bit as well maybe Diaz saw it and he said okay I, Diaz is probably thinking this fight is going to be finished I'm just going to go in there in the fourth and finish him and then McGregor comes back so that was absolutely superb he clearly won that round as well I think that was I know we'll get to the score now in a second, but I think that was the close, probably the closest to ten eight round because of the amount of damage he did. He landed another hard shot that could have put Diaz down, and like he bloodied his face up. And if you're talking about damage, he did way more damage in that fourth round than Diaz did in the third, or Diaz did in the end of the second. Yeah. Or you know, Do you think I think there was a shout for the third round being a ten eight. Not a hope. I don't think any of the rounds were ten eight, but if any of them were close, I think the fourth round, the third wasn't a ten eight because he landed. Okay, he landed those those shots Diaz did, but. Was was it ever close to finishing? Like I said it there, was, he, was, he was a little bit overwhelmed. But I don't think it was ever close to finishing it by damage. You know, I don't think it was ever ever that way. It was like someone who kind of, you know, they had a back mount, you know, and it was, okay, he's, he's in a precarious position. He's in a really bad position here. But I don't think it was, I don't think it was a case of he was nearly finished or he put a hole, so much damage on him that you have to give it a 10. I don't think it was that. Like McGregor won most of that round. You know, it, it was even. Or McGregor was winning it for most of that round, and then Diaz, Diaz won the the later parts of it. So no, I don't think so. I don't think the the, the fourth was either. But I I think it was because of the amount of damage he did. Uh, I think it could have been. And the fifth in, I think the fifth was the only disputable round for any score. Um, I know Graham. I think scored it for McGregor. Uh, at the time, I was like fifty fifty about it, but I think. Diaz got a lot of dirty boxing off, landed a lot of shots against the cage, uh, and won the rounds for me. I think if Diaz had done that more, that was that was the key to his game. I think he needed to push him against the fence more and do more uh, dirty boxing t- to win the fight. Now McGregor's 
to, to just a couple of more things about the fourth and fifth round. For me, going into it, th- those were the things. That was the reason I picked Diaz, because I didn't know what McGregor could do in the fourth and fifth round. And he showed that he can not only get his second win, come back and fight and do it at 170, but he showed that he has the heart to not only... You know, not only pull it out, pull out what you need to pull out those big shots. It's one thing to do that, but it's another thing, as you said, to grapple against the fence the way he did. Maybe it's something that isn't natural to him. You know, he he came up as a striker and, you know, he's learned all these things and he's obviously, it's it's becoming natural to him. And I think it is probably natural to him now, but for something maybe a lot of people think isn't natural to him, for him to get that overhook on Diaz and pull him up every time he tried to get low and take him down, to defend well off off the back off your off the off the fence to stop Diaz from getting a trip to to take Diaz down with like thirty seconds left and then okay he got taken down at the end but it, it didn't really matter at that stage I thought it was just phenomenal when you when you get tired like that it's people revert to type and they fight the way where they're more safe and obviously that would be as a striker from McGregor but the way Diaz came back in the fifth round and he put McGregor into where exactly where he had his best things, as I said, in the dirty box and up against the fence. And McGregor still survived and he still didn't get overwhelmed in that stage. When he, you think he'd been most tired, I think that was absolutely phenomenal. Would you believe, Sean, someone in the gym had Connor? What round did he take Diaz down? The fourth or fifth? The fifth. It was like 30 seconds left. Just for Connor by fifth down. round submission at stupid prices. <laughs> he just thought like it somehow like he'd tire him out, he'd get him down. Diaz wouldn't be like similar to what happened with Connor. Yeah. And he said he nearly lost his shit when Connor took him <laughs> down. And it was the worst like two seconds later Diaz stood back up and he was like, That that that's that back on. <laughs> Not yeah. a hope. I thought Connor finished incredibly well in the fifth. I think it was just it really was talking about pulling something from nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Like your your chips are down. We've gone three rounds here. We've shown that we can do this. <clears throat> you need to pull through for the last five to seven minutes to win this fight and cement your legacy. Do you know what I mean? To do what nobody thought you'd be able to do. Do you know? And when the scorecards were being read out, when first of all I was secretly delighted when I heard there was a 47-47 on one of the cards I was ready to gloat I already had the introduction to the podcast planned in my head when I heard that one score card being read, uh, read out but um, were you okay with 48-47? Yeah 100% correct I think that's the only logical score to be honest I, I think that's it uh, there was it definitely wasn't did you think there was any case for a 10-8 in the card? I definitely didn't uh, Watching it the first time, I did. To be honest, I thought Connor, like I thought that was a serious round for Diaz. I thought near the end finishing, like if he had a dropped Connor, I think that would have solidified it as a ten eight. I think Connor maybe being up against the cage was what kept him up more than anything. It it seemed like there was such uh, a no. high volume of strikes being thrown at him. Then when I watched it back, I was like, okay, not like when I watched it back last night, I was thinking these shots are landing. But they're not that powerful. They're slaps. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it was sort of like Diaz was up in his output because he knew it was 30 seconds left. I don't think he thought he was going to get a finish on Connor, but he wanted to land as much volume as possible to either tire him out going into the next round or to steal the card on the steal the score the round from the judges. 
You know, I think Diaz at times was very conservative with his strikes as well, and he knew when to be able to pile it on, and that was when he, he piled it on. The one thing from both guys in the fourth and fifth, which we saw more of due to more grappling, was their strikes when they broke away from the grappling exchanges. Connor absolutely leveled Diaz with a right elbow after one break away from the cage. And Diaz caught him with a good one of his own, I think, when he had him pushed up against the cage. I thought that was, when you're talking about the measure of someone who'll revert to what they're best at when they're tired in a fight, for Connor to keep grinding and keep going and keep persisting and like, I have to stop this takedown, I have to stop this takedown, as opposed to maybe accepting it. Or I think in the later rounds he was... I think he was actually okay with Diaz grappling. Do you know, I think he he himself thought this is going to be okay. It's not that much of a it's not that much of a drain. I don't think he's going to be able to get me down. I'm confident from what's happened up until this point in the fight. I'm in no big rush to get off the cage here. And I think John did tell him as well that he was winning every clinch battle that that's his opportunity to rest. I think John said that in between the the third and yeah, the fourth round. He that said, was smart as well. This is your chance to get fresher. Do you know what at I mean? The time I, at the time I thought was, that cage. was ridiculous. At the time I absolutely thought that was ridiculous. But watching it back in, I think you're exactly right there. When he, you know, he said you're winning the the, the, um, the clinch. And I don't think he was necessarily winning the clinch. But I think it was a kind of a thing that... Even if he if wasn't, you, you still have to yeah, tell him that during you the fight. Get to, if you get to the clinch... I think even Diaz pushing him against the defences of, it, as you said, it wasn't wearing him out that much. It was literally, it was kind of more of a time for him to rest or anything. And he was doing a good job of getting the overhook and Diaz wasn't taking him down. So, so I think that was good. But uh, do you have something else to say to that? Or I have another, one quick point you, before you we get to the You finish off the fight, then we'll get on to the post-fight antics. Yeah, my my thing, uh, just the last thing in that is the the weight. Now, the weight is a huge thing in this fight. I think it changed the whole complexion of what that fight would be at 155. Like, McCricker is like, he's like a Ferrari. Sebastian Vettel driving a Ferrari in an F1 race and pulling a trailer behind him. That's that's what it's like for McGregor to be fighting at 170. He just can't fight the way he, he, he normally can. And he, he said that afterwards, basically. that you know He said he was a little bit nervous that he was it the right decision to take this fight at 170. You know, he said, uh, I think it was you said it yesterday on, on Twitter or somewhere, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't get abs. He said that afterwards, that he, he couldn't get abs. He couldn't get to his optimal shape. And I, I don't think that was the optimal McGregor in there. I think that was, that was at 155. Now, the, the thing about the cardio issues, and I spoke about it a lot before, and I, that's basically why I picked Diaz, because not so much cardio, but endurance, endurance at 170. And I think he showed that he can't, as I said at the start of the podcast, he can't play his normal game at 170. But I think at 155, and I think that he could, and I think that Saturday night proved that he has good cardio, despite the fact that he got tired. I don't think he'd get tired like that fighting at 155 or 145. You know, I think he could... He has now has the ability to go back to 155, up his output, throw more of his high flashy kicks, throw more of those leg kicks, throw lots more stuff and not get tired. I don't think he will. Like, I think people would be very surprised if he gets into a fight with someone who can take his shots and goes into the third, fourth and fifth round. I think McGregor's going to be still be there and be a lot better than people think like I don't think these tiredness issues are going to be a thing again I don't think he has bad cardio I think it's just because it was it happened at welterweight that fight 
it, it was he's not a welterweight. McGregor, he can't carry the weight. Like it's just something. It, it's um, it was madness, and you know it was pure and utter madness fighting it that way. I think, and I think he kind of re- realized that afterwards. And you heard John Kavanaugh talking about it as well afterwards that. We're going back down to 155. <laughs> he said, like, you know, it, 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 I think it was huge. And I think that fight is a totally different fight at 155. And I, I, I wrote my article before. I think it's going to be Optum McGregor against Optum Diaz. It wasn't. I don't think, I don't think Diaz was at his best either. And I think McGregor, that was thanks to McGregor, the way he fought. McGregor fought, a, you, you spoke very well there about how he brought in people and he prepared for the individual opponent, which we have a, little, a few questions on later on and we, we'll get to again. But I think he fought a winning fight against Diaz. He didn't fight his normal fight. He, you know, he didn't fight a McGregor fight. He fought to beat Diaz. And I think that was the only way he could win at 170. You know, I, I thought he'd do it in a different way. I thought he'd do it in a more, with more output, more power and try to do it over three rounds and then maybe try to survive. But he didn't. He tried. He did it so he conserved his energy so he could go full five rounds, which was very, very intelligent, I think, which was very intelligent and very brave because I think it's another point, the point that needs to be just restated that he won those, those exchanges with Diaz. He won them. If you watch back the fight again, look at look at those jabs from Diaz, that right hand from or that left hand from McGregor on point all night. And that, you know, it was just, I thought it was just a superb, uh, superb display from him. And a superb display from Diaz as well, because it was such a, such a great fight for her. Diaz to come through all those big shots he took well when McGregor was absolutely dominating him. Like, Diaz had never been dominated like that. You know, okay, he's lost fights before. He's been caught an awful lot, but he's never been dominated against someone who hits as hard as that uh, before and who dropped him that many times and who hurt him that bad and who caught him up that much. And to still come back, that was absolutely magnificent, I thought. Shall we move on to the post-fight? Yes, we shall. So, oh, on that as well, Joe Rogan kept saying on the broadcast, oh, Dominic Cruz, yeah, so, I've never watched back, like, I know we always joke about that, you know, Rogan has influenced commentary on who the UFC uh-huh. want to win, you know, there's always been talk about that online, like, that he's, his, his commentary can be very biased and influenced. But the only thing missing was him wearing a Stockton 209 t-shirt, yeah. I think, the other night. <laughs> it was horrendous. Um, but you know like I still think Joe's the best commentator and like I, and I did think that he he leveled off it maybe from the third round onwards do you know what I mean he was like oh fuck McGregor's actually doing this like yeah. I don't think he was as bad he mentioned Dominic Cruz his analysis on the McGregor fight saying that Connor doesn't have the cardio there to be able to go five rounds at his style do you know what I mean at his up, like his best game isn't suitable for five rounds five rounds of fights five round fights and he changed it very impressively as you spoke about there as well if we're talking about post-fight, though, immediately afterwards, surprise, surprise, motherfucker, the king is back. Connor, uh, here's, there was no press conference, okay? I think if they do this format from future, it's much better than press conferences. They brought out select fighters from the main card. The PR team had said that McGregor wouldn't be coming. Then word came through, Connor was insistent on speaking to the media before he had to go to the hospital mm-hmm. for his leg and I think this is what I'm I think that gives when I heard that Connor was insisting to come talk to the media I was thinking there is some relevance to what I was thinking during the week maybe about the UFC not stifling the promotion but trying to put a lid on Connor throughout the week remember the last time that happened what GSP 
remember the exact same thing happened with GSP after the Johnny Hendricks fight. They're like, no, no, he's gone to the hospital. And then he was like, no, I'm coming back. I want to talk to the thing, to the, to the press. And then he kind of, well, you know, he went, he said some bad things about the UFC and uh, about Dana White and things like that. And McGregor Maybe was a little bit similar. Like that was going to happen. Yeah. And Connor kind of put it out there like, what did he say? Shit's about to hit the fan. Shit's the about to hit the fan big time. He was like, there's a lot of stuff. He said in the scrum with select media partners that um, his next fight may not be in the UFC. You know, the next thing may not, his next thing may not be in the UFC. Whether he's hinting at a movie, whether his Instagram post the other day saying, I'll take a heavyweight next. Hmm. Who threw a big promo shot. at? No. Did you not <laughs> see Lesnar? Yeah, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. Lesnar threw a bit of a promo towards Connor. Then, if you want to talk pro wrestling 101, I think Front where Brian put it up, he built Nate Diaz up immediately in the press conference. He was like, number one rule of pro wrestling, Sean, is to beat to bring up the person that you're after beating. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And he brought Diaz up. He said, I threw everything at him. He was covered in blood. He kept walking at me. Blood was pouring from his face. And I was throwing everything at him. I couldn't believe it. He's a phenomenal athlete. Do you know? He was... He, I, I've never heard him spoke as well about someone that he's just fought as he did about Diaz the other night. And then he was just sitting there as if it was like... It was, like I'm saying, the relief was nearly pouring out of him. You know, this was a do-or-die fight for Conor McGregor. This was a reputation, career-holding, power-playing sort of move for Conor. Do you know what I mean? Win this and you're back exactly where you were, plus VAT before the Diaz fight. Lose Mm. this and then maybe you're going to have to listen to the UFC a little bit more. Not a hope is his next fight at 145. Not a hope. Forget what Dana White says. He won't defend that belt. Connor wants two titles on his shoulders, and then he'll drop the forty-five. He'll drop the forty-five title. So do you think? Do you think that's what's next for him? So do you think it's one fifty-five? And you, here's just here's a here's a generic scenario off the top of my head about why it would happen. Brand yeah. new UFC owner Ari Emanuel. Massive, massive media influence. Massive mainstream entertainment influence. Connor and him sit down to toast a whiskey or whatever. He's like, "Look, Ari." I'll be honest with you. I want both belts. I want to fight for the 55 title and then I'll drop the 45 belt. And if you can get that for me, I'll do whatever fucking movie, television appearance you want me to do when I'm done. Do you know, just something as simple as that. Mm. Do you think Dana's going to be able to overrule that? No, No, he's fighting for the 45 title. No, he's not. Do you know what I mean? I'm putting Mm. it out there now. He will not defend that belt. He'll go for the 55 title. If he gets it, he gets it. Then he has both titles on his shoulders and he can say that he's recreated what he did in Cage Warriors. Because that's what Conor McGregor's been aiming to do since he set foot in the fucking UFC. Dual-wielding champion. First in history. It was funny, I actually watched your interview with him when he was eating a banana after Cage Warriors there yesterday. And like he was still saying the same things, you know, <laughs> about about his preparation and things, exactly like he was saying after the, the fight yesterday. And I think... I, I tend to agree with you. And I'm I'm amazed he didn't say it uh, after the fight that okay, he, he said about he it. No no but, No what I'm saying is oh, he he amazed he didn't say it. he said I dismissed I beat Aldo in thirteen seconds, but I'm amazed he didn't say it. I beat Max Holloway as well and they're the two guys that are there. You know, I've beaten the two guys that are next up in line. Why don't they fight? Like i think it makes perfect sense for Aldo to fight Max Holloway now in the in an undercard of McGregor against Alvarez. I think that makes perfect sense. You you keep that belt. Like, what's the point of making an interim belt if it's not going to be defended? You might as well just call him the number one contender. 
and I know that's a bit weird now. McGregor, if it was in normal circumstances, I think McGregor going back down would make sense to fight Aldo. Like Aldo deserves that that rematch. I think he was a, a champion for long enough. If he lost, yeah, no, but deserves the rematch against. Um, Right, he deserves a rematch not right now. But the thing about McGregor is he's a different beast. We can't. McGregor's not, you know, McGregor's not Dos Anjos, or he's not Alvarez, or he's not, you know, he's not Robbie Lawler or Tyron Woodley. He's he's a different beast, and the fact that he can make well, he can make one forty five, but it it kills him to get down there is another huge thing for a fight against the guy who he knocked out in thirteen seconds. That's very very hard to promote for McGregor and I think McGregor knows that himself he's like what, what's he going to say he's going to just keep saying I knocked you out in 13 seconds and people are going to get a little bit tired of that uh, and he, uh, what he wants look at his profile picture on, on Twitter look at it it's him holding up two belts and it has been for ages there's a re- like there's a reason he thinks everything true there's a reason he hasn't changed that and there's a reason and I said it last week and I think a, lot, a few people have picked up on it as well since there's a reason why Habib is on Twitter saying I've been turned down, and there's a reason why Tony Ferguson uh, is fighting is fighting Rafael dos Anjos. There's a reason why Alvarez hasn't been booked in a fight. Why is that? MSG, baby. Exactly. I'd be very, very surprised if McGregor doesn't fight Alvarez next. But there's there's the golden goose out there that's still there, and that is one Nathaniel Diaz. Because once those pay-per-view numbers come back in a, a two or three or four days, just like the last time, they're going to see, oh, my God, we all just got so rich off of this. Um, <laughs> what should we do next? Should we do it again? Should, could we get even richer? Did they have one, one win each? Did Diaz call for it? Did McGregor call for it? That could be the little golden goose that's that's back there, the old Warren Buffett that's standing in the background uh, about to make them all fucking billionaires. You know, I think that that's a, an option as well. I think that's more likely than McGregor fighting Aldo. Uh, like, for me personally, as someone, you know, who loves the tactics and the analysis of the game, personally for me, the matchup I'd like to see the most is Conor McGregor against Jose Aldo. Because I, I think Jose Aldo is, along with Mighty Mouse, the pound for pound best fighter in the world. I think Jose Aldo is just a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Um, and McGregor's up there as well, but that's the fight I want to see. Do you think you know, it would but, really uh, I, sorry, solidify yeah. Conor, just so you can talk a little bit more about the Aldo-Conor fight. Do you think it would really solidify Conor's position if he went out and beat Aldo over three rounds or yeah. four rounds and finished him or fought him like he did Diaz and finished him that way as opposed to the first exchange of the contest resulting in a knockout? Yeah, the thing about the Aldo fight as well is, I, I agree 100% that could do that. Like, if you win that fight and you win it that way, it's going to bring you up. But even if you lose it, you lose it and you have two of the biggest trilogies in the history of MMA right in your pocket. You know? If you, a, it, you like, best case scenario is somehow the UFC could get the title onto Diaz. Yeah. You know what I mean? Give <laughs> Alvarez a tainted supplement or something. Like, someone slept, like... Or just higher. give Alvarez Diaz. But then you see you've the prospect that D like what does Connor do in that time? Do you know does he What's like Aldo? you can't the it's like all signs point towards McGregor Diaz rubber match at one fifty five for a belt somewhere in the next twelve months. That's my take on it. What about what about if McGregor went and fought Aldo, right? Unified the belts. Diaz fought Alvarez on the same card. On the same and then card, Aldo knocks the belt. McGregor out, and Alvarez knocks Diaz out. <laughs> and then we're up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs>
<laughs> but imagine that if say if McGregor beats Aldo again and Diaz beats Alvarez, then you have champion against champion in the biggest trilogy in MMA history. And that's what they want. But I don't. I, I just <laughs> think it like. I, I I think it'll be Alvarez next, to be honest. Yeah, More so than anything, I, I, I think I it's going to so. be Alvarez in New York. And then, yeah. to be honest, I'm praying it's not this, but Diaz New Year's Eve in Vegas. Oh, it's too close, is it? I think November. it's too quick of a turnaround. Ah, it's too quick, yeah, it's too quick. But it would just be... The, I think we're going to see Diaz-Connor for the 155 belt in the best-case scenario early 2017. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. And who knows? Like, may, like Connor's. Then you can't now take away the possibility of Connor appearing on WWE television somewhere in the next year either. Seth Rollins. So, did you hear about poor Finn Balor? No. What He'd, did he do? He won the belt on uh, Sunday. Did he drop it last night. Yeah, he dropped it because he got injured. He dislocated his shoulder in the match. Some animal. He dislocated his shoulder, put it back in, and went down and won the title. Well, I mean, but and how to... long is he going to be out for? Six months, I think someone oh, said, but it, no. it could be less than that. Yeah, he did relinquish the title. Uh, well, I suppose the one thing good from that, just a tiny bit of WWE talk here, is that universal title is absolutely horrendous. Though. It is. You it's... know, so Finn doesn't want that. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't want that. No. Redesign yeah. it while he's out. <laughs> For me, just the last thing, I, I said there, Aldo is the fight I'm most like to see. The most like to, I'd like to see from a technical point. Now, from like, I, I think it goes, there's more than that as well. I think from a, a historical point of view and everything, I think the Alvarez fight is the one that I'd most like to see overall next. Now, if you give me the, the Diaz-McGregor fight, I'll take that. Alvarez-McGregor, I'll take that. Uh, Aldo-McGregor, I'll take that. I'll take any of them, to be honest. I think McGregor has a lot of options, a lot of good ones. I, I don't think that the, the uh, WWE thing is going to happen. Like, what, what would they do? It'd, it'd be weird. It'd have to be like a guest spot. Like, McGregor can't wrestle. He can't go in there and wrestle, you know, Seth Rollins or Brock Lesnar or something. It'd have to be a guest spot. He'd have to run in and hit someone with a steel chair or something. And that's a thing you can do in one night. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need a training camp branding for that. You could just, it's just time. And I think it'd probably be WrestleMania if that did happen. There's, SummerSlam is over now. There's nothing big coming up until WrestleMania, is there? Survivor Series. Survivor Series. McGregor running. Maybe. Steel chair knocking out Brock. But yeah, something like that could happen. And then there's the Mayweather thing again, which I refuse to speak about. We won't speak about that. But uh, well, uh, just before we get off this topic, last thing in it is the Dana White beef. And you spoke about it a little bit later on. Do you think that could... Do you think Dana could put down his foot and try to put down his foot? I know it's tough to do it against McGregor because he is he is the biggest star in the UFC these days and he's can kind of run what he wants himself. But Dana wants to run as well. Dana's on a you know, he's on a new footing now. He's he's the one that's um the only one left over from the last regime. He's working kind of under new bosses with new partners and stuff now. Do you think there's a little bit of Dana wants to make himself in charge if he lets McGregor go too far that he he could look bad for him? Potentially, but let me just throw it at you from uh, from this point of view, right? If Dana tr- Dana did try to put his foot down already, Connor will definitely be fighting Aldo at his next fight. Connor dismissed it immediately in the post fight press conference. Wonder Boy will be fighting Woodley next. Fight yes. still hasn't been booked or announced. Book it. But it's definitely happening. That was weeks ago. Why hasn't it been announced? Why hasn't it been signed? Why hasn't it been agreed? This is and it was released through TMZ as well. Do you know like so like there's certain things that 
I think that the UFC may have a plan and then Dana has a plan. And there's a lack of communication maybe between the two. That Dana's still caught up in this I make the decisions, this and that sort of um, mindset. But like I said to you there, that, that imagine that conversation happened between Conor and Ari. What's going to happen there? Yeah, no hassle, Conor. Hang on to that belt. You're fighting 155 title next. Do you know, like this, like Conor has, like from the start... Connor got brought in. He drove around Diaz. He drove around with uh, Dana White on the strip in the Ferrari. He did it to get to the Fertitas. Do you know what I mean? Conor McGregor's an intelligent man. He's always thinking of his next step. He's always thinking of a further career move or is like the best way to, for him to expand himself or to make more money. And he got in with the Fertitas. And then it became toast and whiskey with the Fertitas. And then Uncle Frank came into the conversation. And Dana was a second thought and not mentioned anymore. From Connor's point of view, I think this exact yeah. same thing is going to happen now. Do you know? Like, it's not not what Joe Silva's going to do for Connor next. It's not what Sean Shelby's going to do for Connor next. It's what Connor and the highest executives of the UFC decide what's going to make them the most money and what's best for business from here on. And that's why that win was so important for him. That's put him back into the position to be able to negotiate these things and talk about these things. I thought it was funny. I said Dede Pedneris was on the MMA hour and he was like, oh, I spoke to Sean Shelby yesterday. I'm going to speak to him next week. I was like, you might as well be talking to the wall as talking to Sean Shelby. Sure, he's what does he have to do with it? Really? Like, you know, he's he's not going to decide who's his fight next. You know, he does with, mo- with most fights, I suppose, and he match makes most things from featherweight down and the women's division as well. But like, he's not, you know, he's not going to be deciding who McGregor fights next. That's, as you said, there, that's above, kind of above his scale. No, no disrespect to him or anything. It's just the reality of it. You know. I think it's, I think it, this the whole Dana White Conor McGregor beef is very interesting because they both deny it. Like McGregor vehemently denies. It. I remember he did it with you when he in the dressing room above at SPG in that interview, and Dana White does it every time he speaks. But you can still see it's there. You know, we all know it's there. It's 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 a weird thing, and it's going to be very interesting to see it play out. Though we don't know what way it's gonna it's gonna work. Um, and I think it's we've uh, yeah. Dana at the press conference, Sean. Where is Connor? He's not here. We're starting yeah. the press conference without him. It's it's his. He's late. He's not. He's wasting my time, the fighters' time, your time. I've never seen Dana talk about Connor like that in public. Do you know, uh, well, yeah. that's to imply that I've seen him talk like that out of public, which I haven't. Do you know what I mean? I've only yeah. ever seen Dana at these uh, these sort of press conferences and stuff like that. So, but I have never seen him talk about Connor like that before, and that was to me the first talent sign. He was like. Okay, we're the first media event into uh, UFC 202's build-up, and Dana White has a problem with Conor McGregor. The weirdest thing as well is McGregor, and I said this on the three amigos, it's on the other day, McGregor has to keep turning up late, because if he turns up early now, it looks like he's bowing down to the UFC, you know, so he has to keep doing it, and it's going to just make things worse and worse now. One. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. They should probably tell him that the next time. The embedded footage was good of Connor watching the press conference in the car, being like, "I'm not going to fucking make this." And then yeah. they got a police escort. Yeah, that was weird. But yeah, look, it's interesting times ahead with a, with a lot of different things. But um, I suppose we we'll have a few questions on it again later on. Let's we'll move on a little bit because we're we're going to be stuck for time, right? Uh, I suppose we get to Artem Labov next. Uh, Irish interest in the card. Okay, let's let's talk about first about your your Chris Sevilla <laughs> interview. Let's wow. just let's just mention that Luke Thomas <laughs> yeah. has come up with the single greatest point in mixed martial arts what media ever. You said it as well before. Chris Sevilla is 
what very young into his career looked pretty bad in that fight yet CM Punk is fighting in a couple of weeks time and Chris Avia has been a pro with multiple pro fights under his belt Mm, that's true Chris Avia did not look like he wanted to be in that fight at all Um, a couple of people picked up on the interview with him I think it was Laura Byrne commented he's like he's after pretending to yawn in that interview acting like he doesn't give a fuck he's terrified he doesn't want to be there do you know what I mean he just I, I have never like fair enough Maybe it's because he heard I was Irish. Maybe it's because of the the questions earlier on in the interview. I thought you never... did very well, and I would say if you did shit now, you know me. You would. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get out of that interview as quick as possible, Sean. And to be, I'll I'll admit it. I will send it to you. I cut out the end of it because it looked that bad. Because Chris did himself even further. I was ju- I just said, look, Chris, this is probably one of the more entertaining types of interviews I've done in a while. I enjoyed it. Thanks. And he was just like, yeah. You know, and then just like looked away, went back on yeah. his phone, and I deliberately didn't put that up because that would have really fucked him up. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Then he would have been crucified online. Like I've never been as I've never felt as disrespected from a fighter before. Who I'm just there to do a job, to ask a couple of questions about your fight. Do you know what I mean? Stop being such an ignorant bastard and actually yeah. give me a couple of questions. I don't care if your phone's ringing. Don't look at it. Don't turn away from me. Don't lean up against things. Don't yawn. I'm there for two for two and a half minutes of your time. Do you know what I mean? Treat me with a little bit of respect. Like, do you know mm. what I mean? Don't, like, that was just, I was annoyed at that. Do you know what I mean? But I understand. I'm an Irish media guy. I'm an Irish accent. These motherfucking Irish, do you know, like. But Chris did it's, himself it's no an favors. Act it's, it's a an complete act. act. You could tell that wasn't him being genuine. Mainly so because I was watching him interact during the week and he wasn't certainly interacting like that. He wasn't stuttering. He wasn't pretending to be Nate Diaz 2.0 <laughs> when actually, he's talking on other cameras though. or other interviews. So all why are you doing it now? It's 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 such a thing in MMA and all these young fighters trying to be like. Remember back in the day, everyone had a mohawk like Chuck Liddell. <laughs> like it's the same now. Everyone like they're pretended to be Conor McGregor, pretended to be Nettias. But I, I, Chris Avia, like people, and this is the thing. I, and I didn't mention it about the Diaz brothers because people had just go mad. But I suppose the fight's over now, so I can mention it. When people said they're they're so real, and I'm a big fan of Diaz brothers. Everyone knows that. Uh, this you know it's a real people. People who are real, real, don't go up and throw middle fingers at people and walk out of press club. That's not, that's just, that's an act. Like, that's the opposite of real. I, 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 I always find it weird when people say, oh, I'm too real for this. Uh, yeah, no, you're not. That's not how real normal people act. No, no. You're just, you know, like Chris Avia, he just acted like a child, basically, and worse than a child. Like a child wouldn't even act like that, to be honest. But yeah, he's fighting. I thought it was. I thought there was two things in it. I thought he was terrible. And I thought Artem was good. I think that was probably the best, most intelligent uh, Artem Lobov Artem ever. Now I haven't. Obviously, you've seen a lot more of Artem than me. You can definitely talk about it. But I thought his hands look very good. We talk about Artem a lot. And we'd say he's um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Unorthodox, but I thought he fought in more orthodox. So we saw those leg kicks. He kind of gave away the game plan from McGregor a little bit. But I thought his hands and his jab and his overhand they all looked very good. I thought he was going to knock him out early, but I think Avila, as you said, he was a little bit nervous, and I think he fought defensively in a good. I think he's a good chin as well. He landed, Artem landed a good couple of shots, but uh, yeah, I just think he just got dominated. And I think John Kavanagh said it, but after was it the first round? You're in there against a the child, and I think Artem kind of just played with him. Artem did put himself in in a situation where he could win the fight without ever putting himself in danger or anything and I think he did that and he did it very well and, and won the unanimous decision 
completely. I think uh, Artem as well utilized leg kicks very well against Avia throughout the three rounds and did catch him flush with a lot of big shots. And I didn't hear that. I didn't watch the fight back yet. I'm, I didn't know John said that to him. But again, good like good advice. Do you know what I mean? Artem looked in cruise control in that fight. Never looked in any sort of danger. Good win for him to get. And at least now solidifies the fact that he's going to get another shot. He, he took advantage of the fact of being given one more chance in the UFC. And he won. A couple of comments underneath the YouTube video of the Avila interview, Sean. As Tommy Tiernan said, heroin would sharpen that lad up a little bit. <laughs> a goldfish has better concentration than Chris Avila. I'm a Diaz fan and this dude is embarrassing. He sucks. What the fuck? He didn't even look at the interview once. Wouldn't be surprised if Chris was stoned during this interview. He looked it. Little rude cretin. Can't even look at the interviewer in the eyes <laughs> when he greets him. He's going to get knocked out. Like, I've never had this sort of reaction come out of an interview before in my life. Yeah. You know, never, ever, ever. It has 31 down votes on YouTube. I hope that's mainly because... It's all you. Chris's part, all you. not my part. <laughs> but, oh. Right, let's let's get to a few of the other fights. Uh, let's, uh, we're speaking about bad dudes. Mike Perry. Uh, just... Oh. And, and Colby Covington as well. Just two fucking terrible dudes. Um, <laughs> and Mike I actually Perry had it. to win that fight, didn't he? Like yeah. after the wins, that did was hear, always going to happen. Did you hear what came out afterwards? One of his cornermen made a racist, a racist comment remark, about yeah. the, uh, Don Kim, which I won't repeat. You can go and find it if you want. So, look, well, he looked good in his fight. He looked, he got a big knockout. But I wouldn't mind seeing him cut for that, to be honest. If yeah, one of your cornermen come in, brought in, in Sean, I believe Jordan Breen tweeted Mike Perry started mixed martial arts after being released from prison. Mm. for the first like do you know so yeah, if he was like on, that in his corner like fuck off lads yeah, he was on the MAR yesterday waiting to go into court so yeah look give him the benefit of the doubt in this, I'd ban that other dude whoever it was from ever being in a corner if he's a fighter ban him from ever being in the UFC or whatever not let him do it look uh, fair enough it wasn't Mike Perry who said it give him another chance but I'd you know, I'd be a bit wary about him in the future. Um, Overall, yeah, full, a great card, full of finishes. It was very, very good card. I suppose the comment of interest really much to speak about just Anthony Johnson. I suppose the, the future is the, the biggest thing. What do you think is next for him? Do you think it's Daniel Carmia? Without a doubt. And he was so good in the post-fight press conference. He threw that uppercut from the gates of hell itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Glover was caught flush. That was a, an uppercut to just underneath your chin. Like, do you know what I mean? That's a career-changing blow from Anthony Johnson, pure dynamite in his hands, but mm. also give us some sort of respect and acknowledgement towards the fact that Daniel Cormier's chin is made out of whatever the strongest metal in the world is. I'm not too sure what it is, mm -hmm. but DC has it. Do you Definitely. know what I mean? That was I. That has now made that rematch a lot more interesting for me to see Anthony Johnson walk through Czech era like that and just be like, okay, I'm ready to see uh, Johnson DC too. Yeah, and Paul, we're talking about Anthony Johnson as well. Obviously, he said he's uh, he said his issues with the laws. Well, I suppose we can't uh, we can't fit that. But he seems like a guy who's kind of maybe come out the other end of it. I know it doesn't change what he actually did or what he's alleged to have done. I'm you know, but he seems to be a guy who's maybe turning around a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully that is the way. Um, for me. Okay, I think he deserves a title shot next again because the division is so light and everything. But there isn't a fight in this world I'd rather see than John Jones against Anthony Johnson. Oh, 100%. Oh, but we can't God. rely on Jones. Like, we don't know when Jones is going to be back. He's saying it's going to be soon. DC's ready. Anthony Johnson is fresh. Stick that on New York. Stick that on November. Stick it on December. Jones won't be fighting in 16 anyway. 
Do you know what I mean? Jones yeah. won't be able to get ready to get into fight shape in 16. Just book this fight now and John Jones can fight the winner in early 2017. Okay, you me sold. Uh, Cerrone is well won. I... He flipped the script, but on a Sean, yeah. he fucking ruined us. That was the weirdest fight of the night, I think. Because Rick's story... Rick's, we mentioned this last week. Like I pick Rick's story, I think you pick Rick's story as well. Yeah. But Rick's story can do this. He's a guy who can go out and he can kind of... Not destroy Gunnar Nelson, but just you know, um, dominate him for five rounds, and he can go there and just get what Molly Wap by by uh, Don Cerrone in two rounds. He just couldn't get anything together. He couldn't push Cerrone against him. I think Cerrone has been doing this thing in the last couple of fights where he's taking a guy down and then letting him kind of get back up. Just land line him for a few minutes, then let him get back up and then land a lot of shots. And then it kind of makes the person think, oh, no, he's going to take me down and he's going to beat me on the feet. And it kind of disheartens him a little bit. And I think that's exactly what happened to Story. He could get nothing going at all. He couldn't no. get the clinch going. He couldn't land any strikes. Cerrone was longer than him. And I think Cerrone did very well to take advantage of it. And he got the big finish in the end that, with Such that unbelievable finish. combination. Unbelievable. Mortal combat, tech and tag combination, street fighter, whatever you're having yourself. Head, body, head. Head kick, <laughs> Do you know what I mean. And it was the only thing missing was Rick Story's head animatedly flying off after the head kick. Do you know what I mean? Then you're looking at a proper like finishing move sort of thing. It was just Cerrone pulled it out of the bag. He got the good finish. I'm I still think that like on another day Rick Story coming out and maybe fighting with a better plan can beat Donald Cerrone. I believe Donald Cerrone's been offered a contract by Bellator now. He's officially a free uh, agent. He, no, he actually isn't that Bellator thing wasn't true and he oh, he something on the misspoke. internet was wrong mm, he misspoke and he actually has one fight left in his contract apparently okay but so. like the 350k from Bellator is something that I'd 100% believe for Bellator to get Donald Cerrone yeah I think he'd be a big one but I don't think he'll move He's, I think he's that guy who wants to be there forever uh, but we'll speak a little bit more also, about Donald sorry, Cerrone sorry, yeah Go he on. also wants the record he's now one yeah. fight away from having the most wins in UFC history He'd probably do it before he'll Christmas. Re, he'll resign, you know what I mean, and yeah. then he'll go to Bellator. Yeah. Uh, we, we have another little thing to say about Donald Cerrone, but we, that's in our next topic, and we'll use that as a segue. Just a couple more on this card. Uh, Lorenz Larkin was absolutely fantastic on yes. the, the undercard. Uh, he knocked out Neil Magny with uh, pass elbows. prelim as well, yeah. delivering. Cody Garbrandt as well, my boy, earning me some money there, Cody, good man, um, with another fantastic finish, and it looks like it's going to be Dominic Cruz for him. Is there anything else that stood out to you or from being there or anything? Um, not really, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Marvin, is it Marvin Vittori? The guy yeah. in the first fight, Very good. Lovely, lovely guillotine, and, it, and interesting listening to him speak afterwards in the media room about mixed martial arts in Italy and how he'd like to be the one to bring it in. Do you know what I mean? It's not really re- not liked or respected over there but it's building and he's going to be the guy at the front of it so definitely that, there's a European prospect to keep an eye on looked pretty good against Alberto Yuda um, yeah. Tim Means ran through his short notice opponent as well that was a pretty impressive performance but otherwise it was just an exciting card it was what UFC 200 should have been one, two, three, four, five finishes leading up to the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz in a row starting with Cody Garbrandt ethering Takeo Mizugaki do you know yeah. what I mean with a red- like Mizugaki the UFC must hate him or something I don't know why mm-hmm. you keep doing this to him I'd like to see him retire to be honest I think he's he's taken far too much damage and far too many brutal knockouts in his last yeah. couple of fights um, so that's that's that but it was just a perfect build up Sean do you know the atmosphere the crowd 
it was getting busier and busier as the fights were going on and the knockouts were happening. There was a proper buzz in that arena leading up to the McGregor-Diaz fight. And that is what they lost out on on 200. Because 200 went flat. Started off well with good finishes, then went flat. Do you know what I mean? Only three decisions on the card, and one of them was in the main event of the weekend. UFC 202, in its entirety, should have been UFC 200. Should have been the marquee event, and it wasn't, unfortunately. And maybe the UFC cost themselves a little bit more money in that. Personally, I don't think so. I think UFC 202 is going to break all records. It's going to break the pay-per-view record, whether we find it out officially or not. You know the way Connor keeps has said yeah. in interviews that 196 was the biggest, and the UFC haven't corrected him on that, so... I lead to believe that, like, but we don't know the actual figure. So I don't think we'll ever find out. I don't think it'll ever be probably confirmed, but I'd say 202 is going to be their biggest show to date. Yeah, definitely could be. Right. Now, with Don, with Don Cerrone as well, let's let's move into our next uh, next topic with that. And I'm going to put this out to you. What about this? Don Cerrone versus Gunnar Nelson in oh. Belfast on November the 19th. What about it? Would watch. Mm, or Don Cerrone against Joseph Duffy. How about that? Well, lightweight. I, a lightweight. I don't know. You, you just want you want to see Cerrone fight live, Sean. Is this <laughs> is this your way of telling people that you will be attending UFC Belfast? I hopefully I'll be there now. Hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, it's it's good. I suppose we were coming into that. It's good that they're going to come back to the island of Ireland in the. This year we weren't sure if it happened now. I think news kind of broke actually here, didn't it, a while back? That, <laughs> months uh, ago. Months ago that they what would be going for Belfast. We've been talking about this Belfast card for months, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, edit all, all your articles there. Edit all of them say where it came from. Severe Mail Podcast. Thanks very much. But yeah, you're, you're obviously looking forward to this. This is probably your kind of your home event. It's, you know, it's closest to you. Or is Dublin closer to you? Belfast and Dublin are equal. The O2 Arena is actually closer to my house than Ah, well, fair enough. Uh, but I wasn't taking a shot at you there. I was just saying it was close to you. But Can we just was... get into the proper talk? Yeah. Who are they going to well, sign? That's what I was thinking. So. Carl Moore, 100%. If they're going to sign a hometown yeah. guy, if they're going to sign sign a Northern an Irish fighter, or a fighter from Northern Ireland, um, Carl is the standout. Yeah. You know, six and one, recouped after his loss from uh, Paul Craig. Got a win. Got a win column. Was meant to fight earlier on in the year. Got injured. Has got into the most <clears throat> like. A it looks like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> a potential. It was a potential career-ending injury that Carl Moore suffered, and has come back from it. And I've never seen or heard him as motivated in his life. You know, there'll be something up on severe with him later on in the week. I'm going to get an interview with him. I think he has a genuine chance of being on this UFC Belfast card, honestly. I think he has a great chance of being signed, and I think there's a couple of other guys that do as well. Now, this isn't the sort of stuff, Sean, where we're going to stick up random names and get everyone to share it about who could get signed for UFC Belfast. Mm. This is just genuine analysis of who we think has a good shot. If Reese McKee beats Tommy yeah. McCafferty in Bama in a couple, of, a couple of weeks' time, I think he's a fucking fantastic shot. And yeah. conversely, if Tommy McCafferty beats Reese McKee, I think he is a good shot of getting a call as well. Reese McKee could go 4-0 if he beats Tommy with four finishes at a higher weight, at higher weight classes against more experienced guys. Reese McKee is the standout pro on the scene at the moment, along with Dylan Took. But I yeah. think that Reese just has a good fight time coming up now in September. Good performance. Could get a bit of hype around it. Could get onto that Belfast card. Do you know... The UFC need to realise that for these markets, what they need to do is sign the local guys. And they've done it through in history. They've done it in the past. They need the arena to be fully invested of people that they actually know. Do you know what I mean? Let me just pull up UFC Dublin here. I can't think of it off the top of my head. 
What was the absolute... Your man who was claiming he was Irish and then ended up retiring. Marcus Davis? No. What do you mean claiming? Oh, Cody Donovan? Cody Donnybrook Donovan. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Nikita Krylov versus Cody Donovan. Trevor Smith versus Tor, Tor Troeng. Uh, Ilya Latifi and Chris Dempsey had no place on UFC Dublin. Bad reaction from the crowd. Weren't uh, overly into it. Do you know what I mean? Just sign them on a one-fight deal. Sign them. If you win, we'll take you on for another European card. Forget about this four-fight deal. The UFC are now going into these territories, and they need to be strong in these territories. They need to have people that actually want to show up to these events. And fair enough, the event would sell out regardless. Do you know what I mean? But if you want to keep it going from here on out, if you want people to keep returning, they need to have a reason to keep returning. And I think loading the card with guys like, even if Norman Park gets his wins together. Yeah, Sean, I was thinking that. I was just about Norman to, to fight on that card. Like, I, I am shocked that they cut him if they knew that they were coming to Belfast later on in the year. You know, that was, to me, that was just stup- stupidity. Get Norman back on it. Get Reese McKee on it. Get Carl Moore on it. Get a couple of those guys, like Alan Philpott's fighting in Bama now in September again. A good win for Philpott could see him get a call up as well. Do you know? Hashtag, hashtag Johnny Jitsu for UFC Belfast. Johnny Jitsu once asked me to try get a campaign going to get him to fight CM Punk, and his re- <laughs> his reasoning was the best thing I've ever heard. He's a legend. Andrew, I'm five and eight as a pro. He's not going to get an easier debut. <laughs> he knocked someone clean out the last time he fought. He so. did. He did, and him, he yeah. probably knocks CM Punk out to be honest. He probably would definitely, I'd say. Yeah. But yeah, I think Reese McKee. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely on. think Reese McKee. I think definitely think Reese McKee is the one. Hopefully they have an eye on him, and if he wins, who's he fighting at Bama? Tommy McCaffrey. Oh, he's fighting Tommy McCaffrey at Bama. Yeah, the two oh, of them are fighting oh. each other. Like that's oh, why I, I mean it has such that. an impactful fight. Yeah. Because it's... both of those guys with a win over the other, it's only going to be one way. It's only going to be a devastating knockout. That's yeah, going to be the most exciting fight on the Bama card by a country mile. Yeah, that's a tough fight for him as well. Like four fights in, I think. Speaking of Tommy McCaffrey, didn't Brian Moore beat him as well? Mm-hmm. Brian Brian Moore's fighting the Bama as well. Maybe he could be another one that could be in with, in with a shout. Maybe you know, maybe that's an outside bet now. But I think Brian Moore is a good fighter as well. And you know, if Tommy McCaffrey was to get that win, you know, you look at you look at his record and you see he just lost to Brian uh, Brian Moore and Brian Moore got another win. So something like that, you know, could happen. Um, but yeah, I think. I know Brian Moore's. From, I'm not saying Brian Moore's from the north as well. He's from the, obviously he's from Wexford as well. But yeah, I think there's there's a few a few guys uh, definitely in with a shot. And I think I'd be surprised if Norman Park wasn't on it. To be honest, even if they brought him in for a, a one fight deal, and you know I think Norman is the type of guy who's gonna get lots of fights and get back to the UFC at some he stage. He has multiple anyway. fights booked. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Even moment, I say even if he got one fight in the UFC back, I think you know he has those. You see Norman Park like he's talking about getting different fights all the time you know, if he was to fight once in UFC Belfast get released again I think within a year he'd probably be back in the UFC again because they, he'd beat so many guys that there's nothing they could do but just kind of to bring him back because you know he's he's beaten so many but yeah what about has Paddy Pimblett been signed for the UFC yet he could be no, a guy on that he's Cage Warriors as well yeah. in Liverpool apparently he's already sold, sold 500 tickets himself and he's planning on selling 1000 like this yeah. is going to be a fin- like that will be his crowning. That could be the chance that he gets signed to the UFC. Then a yeah. debut in Belfast would be phenomenal for Paddy Pimblett. Right, I suppose we're going to talk about that card a lot more uh, as it uh, as it comes up. But let's get to this weekend's card. Just in brief, we'll we'll talk about the the I top four. Shit, I didn't realize the time. Oh. We'll talk we'll talk about the top four card fights quickly. Yes. Jim Miller against Joe Lozan. Give us your pick for that one. Joe Lozan. 
I'm going with Jim Miller. No, how? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I'm not. Wait, yeah, I'm going mad. No, actually, I am going with Joe Lozan, sorry. Joe Lozan's I, the man. He'll be covered yeah. in blood by the end of it, and he'll half Miller. I think Jim, they, they fought before Miller won, I believe. But, but they were Miller, both covered in blood. So. Yeah, Miller's gone a little bit old, and I think he's taken a lot of shots recently, whereas Lozan looked good in his last fight, so I think that. Beck Rollins is fighting Paige Van Zandt. And I think we could be in for a little bit of a shock here. Because Beck Rollins impressed me an awful lot in her last fight. She's improved. Her hands looked absolutely phenomenal in her last fight. And, Be- and Paige Van Zandt has been off dancing for like two or three months. Yeah, and that's grand and stuff. But at her stage of development, you need to keep developing and you need to be training all the time. Now, I'm sure she was doing bits and pieces, but I'm sure she wasn't doing as much as she should have been doing either. So that's an interesting one for me. Now, if Paige turns up at her best and Beck turns up at her best, I think Paige will probably win. But is Paige going to be at her best? Is she Has she moved forward as much as she needs to? I don't think she has, maybe. You know? I could be wrong, but I think Beck has. And I think Beck has been training. And I think she looked good in her last fight. And that could be an interesting one for me. What do you think? Um, I'm not 100% on it either, Sean, to be honest. Yeah. Like the time away like Paige was a, a dancer before anyway so I don't know how much actual prep like she went uh, in they do lots they do lots yeah yeah I know that but she went in and fairly schooled that from the start do you know yes. what I mean like you could tell that she had a, it's not um, dancing with the stars here I just learned how to dance she went in and fucked everybody up do you yeah. know what I mean and went on a fair like didn't she lose in the final lost in the final but yeah. still got perfect so, 10 scores we got in trouble with that before let's not bring that up what remember it was the blind lad she lost to remember that no she, yeah, she lost that blind dude. Did we bring that up on the podcast? Yeah, we were like, he, did, he only won. Yeah, he only won because he got the sympathy vote. Bless him, basically. Like she was actually way better. A horrible human being. It's fucking true. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah, but we won't oh. bring that up anyway. He already did. <laughs> I didn't. I just okay. I did. Go on. Made reference. Um, what, what about the comment of Anthony Pettersson uh, Charles oh. Oliveira? Strap me in. Like this is going to be an absolutely phenomenal fight. Like, I think this actually could be a fight with some sort of title implications in it because we don't know what the state of the featherweight division is going to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about Holloway, Aldo, but the winner of these two guys, I think, is right up in the mix as well. Anthony Pettis, I think, has a point to prove more than anything. And Charles Oliveira is the one guy who's going to come out and stylistically, Anthony Pettis is the best matchup for him. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a win-win situation for both guys. Like, both fight, both guys can win this fight, but... I don't know. I think Pettis has more to prove. He's on a three-fight skid. Imagine Anthony Pettis. Like, he'll never get cut by the UFC, but if he loses four in a row after being the champion at 155, like, this is his back completely up against the wall. And what a person to be able to bring it out of him. The guy that is going to walk him down the this the other cowboy. Where is he actually from? The Brazilian cowboy. No, it's not the Brazilian cowboy, no. It's Charles Oliveira. No. That's, did you know, the tall jiu-jitsu guy. Is his nickname not Cowboy it's, anyway? No, it's Federer. This is Charles Oliver. Do you know the guy who got hit in the body and then two, take two steps back and fell? Look him up there. You'll know him when you see him. Google Sean, him. this is incredibly disappointing. Yeah. This is Charles. Do you know the, the jiu-jitsu guy who triangles, lads, and so? Well, fuck this fight. I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm only messing. I, know like I, I don't know Oliver. why. Just when I saw Oliviera, I was like, it's all right. Alex Oliver. Cowboy. I, this is probably the most embarrassing moment in the Severe MMA podcast history so far, Sean. You've said a lot of worse things, let's be honest. Have I? For, <laughs> for me, this is a match made in heaven for Anthony Pettis. I, I was writing up about it there last week, and I think Oliveira, 
all his three, no, three, three of his five uh, career losses by knockout. He's a guy who'll either submit you and or knock you out and not win by decision. Now, he, I, no, uh, Anthony Pettis, he's very hard. He's never been, uh, I don't think he's, let me, let me just look it up. I don't think he's ever been submitted or knocked out. He's only ever lost, um, He's only ever lost by decision. Yeah, he's five. All five losses are by decision. Never locked out. And out of twenty-one wins, Oliveira has only two decision wins. So, like, you're you're fighting a fella who you need to beat by decision, and you can't win by decision. I know that's a bit maybe a bit simple to say it that way, but I think that's how the fight looks like. I don't think Oliveira is going to knock Pettis out. I don't think he's going to submit him. Pettis is very, very good in the ground. I think he's he's underrated. Now he can get taken out, so but I don't think Oliveira is that good of a, a, a takedown a takedown guy. So I think uh, Pettis will land a lot of shots. I, uh, hopefully he'll look like the Pettis of old. He'll look like a good Pettis. He'll come out. He'll be rejuvenated at a one forty five, and uh, he'll he'll get the knockout. But I I probably see this being um, a decision win for Pettis in the end. Excellent. And the main event. The main event. What do you think? Carlos Condit against Damian Maya. What, what do you think? Go on, give us your thoughts. Um, same again. It's just going to be fucking... Oh. I think this is Damian Maya's chance to solidify himself as being a proper contender, as being like undoubtedly next in line. But Carlos Condit is just too bad of a style matchup. He's... He's able to be able to hit a distance and move and make this a boring enough fight to work Maya over with kickboxing for five rounds and maybe not ever press towards getting the finish. Do you know, I don't like Carlos Condit. It's it's going to look a lot like Condit Diaz did, I think. But if it gets to the ground, if Maya is it like Maya has shown improvements in his stand up, he has been able to close distance on guys recently and he has just been able to walk through them. Do you know what I mean? Let's like Neil uh, Damian Maya is on the best run of fights in his career do you know what I mean and Matt Brown posed a similar enough potential problem that Carlos Condit does and he was still able to pull out the win in the third round so if you're putting a gun to my head Sean I think Damian Maia is going to be able to do it and he's going to put himself towards a title shot but I'm excited at the prospect of Carlos Condit coming back (laughs) getting covered in blood wanting to just get horny and <laughs> knock Damien Meyer around the place. I, I thought you were going to pick Condit there and I was hoping like it'd be a, a turnaround because you'd be picking the striker and I'd be picking the uh, the rapper but no, I'm picking Maya as well. I think the biggest thing in this fight is Carlos Condit's weakness for takedowns and I think Maya's wrestling has improved. I think you did a great job of talking about it the last time he fought in the podcast after his last fight that his wrestling has improved an awful lot. And I think that's that's the one weakness. That's the one big weakness with both guys. Now, yeah, Maya's not a good striker and if Condit can keep it uh, standing up I think Condit will destroy him there and I think Condit is a bigger has a bigger uh, advantage in the striking than Maya does in the grappling maybe because Maya's grappling is so bad Condit or Maya's grappling and Maya's striking is so bad Condit's jiu-jitsu is very very good as well especially defensively and if this goes to the ground and I, which I think it will a lot I don't think Maya will just immediately submit him. I think Condit is very, very, very good. But obviously Maya will have a big advantage. Um, so, as you said there, if it stays on the feet, I think Condit will win. And if, if he can't take him down in the first two rounds, I think Condit will probably knock him out. Uh, but if it goes to the ground, which I think it will, I think Maya will win 
round after round and I think he'll eventually get the finish I, I could see like a late maybe third fourth fifth round submission uh, in this one excellent but we're looking forward to it regardless we are um, so that's about it for this week apart from the questions so let's get up the questions Andrew and we'll run through them quickly while you do that let me uh, mention our sponsors rosnutrition.com Ireland's leading provider of all good things from uh, uh, from protein powder to krill oil to uh, omega stuff like that, BCAs, vitamins, uh, rosnutrition.com is where you can get them. And you can get 25% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA. Stick that in when you get your cart. 25% off rosnutrition.com. SEVEREMMA. Help us. Help you. Where'd that come Andrew. from? Questions. I, I copied you from earlier. I'm just sticking to my line. I refuse to make up a new one. That's you can. Okay. Mr. Podge, just throwing, he asked a couple. I'll just throw this one out for you. Is there anything Khabib can do to get a shot if Connor wins at 202? Is his best chance Connor going back to 45, or what are we looking at for Khabib? Whew. Yeah, see, Khabib as well probably deserves it. I'll drop. Habib does deserve a title shot, but Habib has been injured for a lot, and he beat was it Daryl Harker is the only guy he's beaten. So you know, this wouldn't be the most egregious looking over a guy for a title shot ever. Like it's not like Wonderboy getting looked over for a title shot or anything like that. I don't think. Uh, so I know Habib is like one twenty three in a row or something. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think you give. There's talks about Habib against Edson Barboza. I don't think that'll that'll necessarily happen, but I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Two two of Team Sheehan, though, it's a bit weird. So I, it'd be it'd be like my children fighting or something, but that could happen. Your children fighting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Gunnar Nelson versus Cowboy Cerrone says David Nutty. So you've called it as well. There we yeah, go. See them ideas. Um, John Harker says, "Was that Artem's best ever performance? Take into account pressure of the card, loss, lose, you get cut." And beat a two oh nine or ahead of the main event. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um Mr. Podge and John Hart, you do you just favourite all of their questions like? Yeah, I do, yeah. Well, well most of them unless they're super questions. What do you think of Paul Mahan's prediction that Connor versus Nate will be in Crow Park? I, I don't think so. What do you think? Unlikely, to be honest, but I would definitely like to see it. Um what do you guys make of Diaz making excuses and saying that he won seemed fairly clear that Connor won and showed his superiority? That's from Sam Logue. I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of questions, Sean, so let's keep the answers like this, if you don't mind. Yeah. Marty Latta, or uh, by the way, Martin, I couldn't find the Lay's-flavoured crisps that you sent us last week. I looked for them everywhere in Las Vegas, and I couldn't find them, but I got a delicious flavour instead, Sean. Uh, verde salsa. Nice. Quite tasty. Yeah, delicious. He wants to uh, help you decide for his Friday lunch. Oh, yeah. Pasta what? in Seattle or Chinese with the lads. Uh, Chinese. Excellent. Dan Mannix says, would Holloway trouble McGregor at all, in your opinion, at this stage? You answer that one. I think he'd give him a very good fight, to be honest. Probably, like, we're, we're only appreciating the first fight now because we see what Conor did. I know Conor was injured, but Holloway has improved leaps and bounds since that fight. I'm definitely on board with him fighting Jose Aldo next and the winner getting, if not a shot at Conor if he goes back to 45, but definitely to be considered the proper legitimate champion, the undisputed champ when Conor vacates the belt. Um, potentially the 155 Holloway's young he's growing he's going to get bigger I think 155 is probably where his career will end so Holloway versus McGregor could happen at 155 within the next couple of years that not a bad, that's rematch. not a bad show that's not a bad show there you go um, 
Robert Palminteri, if there's to be a third McGregor-Diaz fight, it's likely to be at 155. Sean, you've said that the contest will be different at 155. In yeah. what way do you think it'll I, be different? I think McGregor will be able to fire a lot more. I think his output will be up a lot more. You know, last the last time he didn't throw... He like The only big kind of kick he threw was his turn and side kick to the body at one stage. He didn't throw any head kicks. He didn't throw any spinning kicks. I think he'd be able to bring those back. Now, against Diaz, maybe he wouldn't want to throw them as well because maybe that wouldn't dictate the game plan very well. But I think he would throw more. And I think he'd be able to... You know, I, t- I spoke a lot about kicking low to open up high and I think he did at the weekend but I didn't I think he didn't throw those leg kicks because he was trying to con- or those head kicks um, and like roundhouse kicks and stuff like that because he was trying to conserve energy more than anything else I don't think you know it was obviously part of the game plan to do that but I think if it was at 155 if he was more comfortable at a weight where he knows his cardio is going to be better where he knows he can last I think he'd be able to throw those strikes more and I think it'd be change the whole fight to be honest Aidan O'Connor said what's your thoughts on Dana's ultimatum of stripping Connor's belt when Aldo has had two occurrences of not defending his title within 12 months Aidan we spoke about that a little bit earlier on it's a it's a fair point you know Aldo was an inactive champion for the most part when he was champion Um, so you're kind of you're kind of proving our point a little bit better that we made earlier on. And when McGregor, if he's safe, he fought Eddie Alvarez. He's fighting for a belt as well. This isn't just like the Diaz, say the second Diaz fight. It was just kind of a random fight. Not like if he decided to fight GSP or something, I'd say fair enough, you know. But if he's fighting for a belt, he's it's a champion versus champion fight. So I think that, that'd be fine. That's why, you, you look, you have the interim belt. That's why it's there. Let uh, Aldo um, Let Aldo defend his interim belt. Excellent. Sheehan's Tatoes. With Connor too big, Ash injured, Paddy and Cahill retired, who other than Duffy and Siri could represent Ireland and Belfast? We just told you, Sheehan. Mm. And uh, will we get a high profile fight to make up for the main and co main falling off Dublin last year? Jesus, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. I think Joseph Duffy has a big chance of uh, of headlining as well. I think I think this they still see Duffy as a star and he won his last fight fairly well. Like I could see him getting in there against I'm sure it's only a dander away from Donegal. It is a caution. Uh Brian McLaughlin says how good how good would it be to have a camera in the room when Connor starts his next neg- negotiations with the real Ari Gold. <laughs> be brilliant. Let's talk it out. Um Dan's Nobly says near the end of round three, Nate's flurry of punches up against the cage looked significant, but were they? Or were they just slaps and taps for the judges? A little bit of both. They turned into, you know, they were just, they were significant because there were so many of them. To be honest, I don't think any single one of them was a, a hard shot that necessarily hurt McGregor that badly. I think it was just tiredness and being overwhelmed. MMA Truth Talk. I'll take this one. Is GSP a super fight with GSP at one fifty five with Connor a possibility? Maybe. St. Pierre has talked about 155 in the past. I personally don't think he could ever make it unless in this time away from the sport he's losing his muscle mass and he's able to get down to 155 a little bit better. <sighs> I can't see it happening, to be honest. I think Khabib and Connor is the fight that maybe people will see mm. more likely within the next two years. Um, Aaron Cullen as well. Should Garbrandt or Dillashaw fight Cruz next? In my opinion, it's Cody Garbrandt after his performance at the weekend. And Graham actually backing us up a little bit Sean he says if anybody is going to beat Dominic Cruz it'll be Cody Garbrandt not saying that he will but just if anybody has a chance of beating him it's going to be Garbrandt Severe Maze Graham said that yep really I think it's Dillashaw uh, Garbrandt kind of convinced me yesterday that he's a chance in the MMA or the way he's speaking but 
Dominic Cruz said something absolutely brilliant on, on the post fight show on, on Fox Sports 1. I was watching it. He said, Cody Garbrandt's big thing is, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to come in. I'm going to hit you with power shots. And Dominic Cruz is like, good, do that. That's how you lose to me. That's how everyone loses to me. They think they're going to come in. They're going to hit me in the chin. No one can hit me. So if you want to do that, good, do it. I want to see Cruz fight right. McGregor just for the shit talk. Yeah, someone asked that question. I think Patrick Last asked week, it. maybe. No, I, I think, think he asked it today. This week? Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. So let's answer that. He did. He didn't answer. What? What do you think would happen in that fight? I, I I'm perplexed by it. I don't know. Uh, that's why I want to see it. Yeah. Do you know? It's just. Oh. Because <laughs> McGregor only needs to land once, like especially against a guy that small. Lighter, yeah. Do you yeah. know? And but is he going to be able to hit Cruz? Is he? Yeah, that's a big thing. That's a fucking great fight. Another fight from McGregor. At catchway, do it at one fifty. <laughs> one fifty. Do yeah. it one forty. McGregor just come in looking like fucking Paddy Hoolan. <laughs> uh, Andy Cowan says how are you lads is there much cha- oh well actually Sean we forgot yeah. him Peter Queeley's also fighting on the Bama card now against Joe McCullough oh yeah 100% last week yeah. a win for Peter would pretty much steal his UFC fate especially pretty much being supposed to be on UFC 202 as well um, so if he does get the win do you think he'll get signed uh, yeah I've been saying it for how, how long now 8 or 9 months since before last year that I think Peter Queeley is destined for the UFC if he gets that oh, he's fighting Joe McCulligan isn't he Bama yeah if he gets that win I think he'll have to be on that that Belfast card um, Will Martin how much of a bell end is Chris Avila <laughs> and is he the worst guy you've ever attempted to interview Andrew yes is the answer but Sean how much of a bell end is he Our, uh, he's, he's just a little kid really come on I, I yeah, well, a lot. A bit of big, slack. Big, yeah. <sighs> um, in fairness, like posse club. If oh. I if I had you interviewing me as well, I'd be acting like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like a lot of people have done it. Like so, fair enough. Ping pong posse club says it's just me, or does Joe Rogan seem to have a bit of a dislike towards Connor? A little bit, I think. Mm, but well, he speaks very, very highly of him. Always on the at podcast. times. Yeah, at times. I think it's more that he loves the Diaz brothers, and he finds it very hard to hide that, which is which is natural. Do you know, it happens to us all. Sometimes we get a like me for wonder by now. I get a little bit, you know. I'm sure everyone has fighters. Like I, I know we we try to be as a. Be as uh, what's the word I'm looking for, neutral and stuff as possible. But sometimes you just can't help it. I know you have a great affinity for the Irish fighters. Maybe not me as much because I'm not as connected to them, obviously. But it, it did stop a little bit, and I think Rogan has the the same. Like look at Rogan, he has Diaz, Nick Diaz, and the start of his podcast and stuff. You know, you know he likes them, so it, uh, it, it gets a little bit annoying. All right, when it's goes too far, but it's a little bit understandable what happens to us all. Graham Scott says, do you think it would have been less beneficial for Connor if he had a KO'd Nate in the round one? I think definitely. Yeah, I think... That, uh, that fight showed yeah. his measure. I waxed poetic earlier on about what he showed, the guts that he showed, the heart, the, what he proved to him, not only us and not only to other fighters, and but he proved it to himself. Like, McGregor didn't know he was that good in the fourth and fifth rounds. Now, he probably knew it in the gym. He knew it was there. But it's different actually producing it. He didn't know he could produce it, but now he does. I think he proved it to a lot of people, and I think that's what move, moved him. It's going to move him to the next level. He he added different balls, not only the cardio, but I think defensively as well. I, I Honestly, I can't say it enough. I can't get over how good defensively he was in that fight. And now he's one of the best attacking fighters in the world, has one of the best defenses, one of the best countering fighters, and has good cardio. That's a, that's a tough task for anyone, and power. Excellent. Uh, Keen O'Connell with the new rule changes on the scoring of a 10-8 would any of the five rounds in the McGregor-Diaz fight be scored that way in the future? 
No, I don't think so. Still, still flew yeah. under the radar. I've kind of been scoring fights that way anyway, to be honest. So, no, I don't think so. Morgan would like to know, do you prefer dominant but predictable champions like Cormier or exciting but flawed like Rumble Johnson could be? Oh, I, yeah, I, I prefer excitement, to be honest. I prefer guys losing their belts, guys getting them back, you know, four, four, four new champions every 10 fights and stuff like that. I wrote it there a while back. If you're an MMA fan, you have to love chaos. And if you don't, it's not the sport for you. So, like, I think... I, I don't mind seeing dominant champions like Mighty Mouse, like Anderson Silva and GSP and stuff. I like that as well, but I have no problem with, with champion, different champions all the time and, you know, different stuff like that. Sean, David Nutty says... this. I'll, I'll take this one. It may yeah. be a big question, but how long would it take for a Katie Taylor or a Michael Conlon to train to fight pro-MMA or even someone like Dennis? It's supposedly taken CM Punk two years and then brackets, he could still be shite. So would it be interesting... <laughs> Uh, so would just be interesting to get your opinion on somebody who's already a talented boxer or jiu-jitsu practitioner Michael Conlon has the potential to become the biggest mixed martial arts star beside Conor McGregor after what happened at the Olympics he's disillusioned with amateur boxing at the moment now is the time if he was going to do anything or if anyone was going to approach him to try and bring him over but I think a boxer can learn jiu-jitsu quicker than a jiu-jitsu person can learn how to strike because when you're ingrained as a jiu-jitsu guy you can't I think your striking is already awful you know, that's my, my take on it from me trying to punch people before. I'm a bad example, of course. But uh, I, I, I would more like to be a boxer learning jiu-jitsu than a jiu-jitsu guy learning how to strike. What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think for wrestlers, uh, they're they're good at learning, becoming kind of power punchers. You saw it with Josh Koscheck a while back. You saw it with, uh, with uh, Johnny Hendricks and stuff. But there is something about jiu-jitsu guys now. They can obviously do it. But like if you look at... Um, What's the name of uh, Padre Gracie, isn't it? He's a guy in London, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Him, like he striking was just awful when he came over to MMA, but he was like obviously unreal on the ground. Even look at Damian Maya, his striking is still not great. He's proven a little bit recently, but it's still not great. Uh, look at Cron Gracie. Well, I suppose he's what? only start. He's only starting out, but that that front kick, you know, uh, there's there's a tendency to to do that right. But yeah, I think having a good striking base is the best thing like look at Wonderboy he's the best fighter in the UFC now and he was only a striker until about 3 or 4 years ago so uh, in, I think you could become good enough to compete in MMA if you had a great camp and stuff in a couple of years but to be compete at a high level in the UFC it's going to take a long while I think. but I think once you have that once you have a really really good base whether it's boxing or boxing may be a little bit different but kickboxing or, or uh, wrestling or some, something you can you can that's a huge thing for you and I think you can add everything on Sean I'm blown away by uh, the questions that we've got this week and apologies for the length so we're going to fire through these Fraser says do you think O'Connor is giving Aldo a taste of his own medicine by made, making him wait for the title shot because yeah. Aldo was dismissive of Connor's deserving a couple of years back Yeah, I think McGregor is you can understand it too, okay? There's the 13 seconds he knocked him up, but there's the whole fact that Aldo pulled out and, you know, he made him wait so long and it was a grueling thing for him. He had to prepare for fights and then it was called off and he'd prepare for another fight. You know, it was... I, I think he doesn't want to do that again. I think he's afraid Aldo will pull out and I suppose that's only natural, you know? Leo Duggan, I will be at Naga in Dublin. Hopefully I'll be competing at it. Frogmore wants to know, is this a roundabout way of asking for the fight? Better keep that weak shit away from the lightweight division. You've both got work to do 
at the notorious MMA at uh, Eddie Alvarez. Diaz. Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez. Yeah, he's asking for. He wants that McGregor fight. Let's be honest, we all know it. He wants it. Um, John Moran says. He asked the question about Rockhold's chin being gone, but considering what's happened at 202, could Nate's chin be on the way out as well? I was thinking that. You can only take so many of those shots. I don't care how good your chin is. You can only take so many of those. Like, I think it's still okay, but I wouldn't like him. Say if he fought another big hitter in his next fight. Say if he fought like, someone like uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, Robbie Lawler against Nate Diaz. I like that. In his next fight, and he hit him with a lot his of hard shots. Fight, yo. Yeah. yeah it is I suppose but Chris maybe. Brennan says will Connor continue with the opponent focused camps and then said WWE lads always turn up so I don't know <laughs> that's true as well um, I think he should personally I, yeah I think he'll do a bit of a bit of both to be honest and I think he should have been I think he was doing it all the time to be honest I, I don't know I, I never really bought into it but I think it'll be I think this time he did it more in his head I think the last time he did uh, other other fights. Obviously, they looked at fighters and they think, oh, this will land well against him. But I think this time was just a pure and utter game plan to be that exact fighter. So I think it wasn't just bits and pieces. I think it was whole. And I think they'll do a little bit of, of both the next time. Obviously, then. Colin Ward with the first question on this topic. Regarding Usada and Nate smoking CBD oh, yeah. oil at the presser, isn't alcohol a banned substance in competition and Cowboy always drinks at the pressers? So, yeah. fair enough. In competition is up to 12 hours after his fight. But from what I believe, CBD oil, which is what Nate was smoking, which is an abstract of, of cannabis and marijuana, I don't think what he was taking would be enough to flag on a post-fight test. But that doesn't matter. He had his test already taken and he admitted use. So, that's what he's going to get flagged for. It's the admitted use. There is no test. He had the test already taken. And... Obviously, like I think probably anyone logical looking at that saying that's not performance enhancing, it makes no difference. It's just it's so stupid. Like, why would you do it? What just do it before the press conference, good on your way in, do it on your way out. If someone asked you, say, Oh, it's a cigarette, no, don't don't me why. Yeah, I know I know it shouldn't be, I know it's stupid now, but you're just asking for it. Like it's so fucking stupid. Why would you like it's like the Diaz brothers want to get fucking banned. You know, it's uh it was just I know it shouldn't be banned. I know there's not there shouldn't be anything wrong with it. You should be allowed to but it those are the rules. I know the rules are stupid, they should probably change the rules, but that's what they are at the moment. Just a fucking blatant disregard and a idiocy, to be honest. Neil Siri wants to know are you gonna apologize oh, to Colin? No, here we go. There you go, Neil. Let, no, um, my thing, and look, people disagree with me, and they're probably going to unsubscribe for the podcast and all of this. Please don't. Look, I I understand why he was mad. I understand it was a heated moment. I understand he's trained, you know, for three months for this fight. He's been setting his sights to it for for four years and all. Um, uh, look for me. I don't like when someone is out there representing Ireland with an Irish vest on. Like, this is not prize fighting. This is someone who's getting paid by the sports council to represent Ireland. He's, uh, even if he wasn't, it's not about getting paid, but he's wearing the Irish vest. And he's, you know, he took that vest off, off his back, put up his middle finger to the referees, uh, you know, and, and gave his, his thing. I didn't like it. I just didn't like it personally. Now, fair enough. If you, you can disagree with me, fair enough. But I, I think I think it's fairly valid to not like that if you don't want to 
just my thing. Like I'm, I was brought up a Limerick Harlem fan from my whole life. Like I didn't miss a Limerick Harlem match for about fifteen years. And like if someone took off the jersey and treated it the way he did and fucked and blinded and threw stuff around like that after a, a Limerick Harlem match, I'd never want him to play for Limerick again. Like I don't know, maybe it's just me and maybe I'm just. I'm too fucking. Uh, I take too much pride in that stuff. That's just that's just me personally. Now, there's two sides of the argument. There's that which is just a nationalistic thing, a pride thing for me personally, and then there's the whole judges the injustice thing. Now that was something like I can't disagree with, but I think he could have done it a little bit better way. He could have come on and did it like what you did to fucking Tom McGurk the other day. You know, do it in a logical, kind of passionate way. And I think it would have done just as much as, as what he did, if not more. Um, I think he could have done that. He could have put in, I know, putting in, a, I think he did it actually. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, putting in, um, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? You can, like, go to the AIBA, which he doesn't like, obviously, and uh, say, I want this fight looked at again, and they have to do it. Um, you can do that. But I th- I think there's different things. You know, he could have, there's a pro- protest and different things you can do. Now, fair enough, it was heat in the moment and stuff. Like, I wouldn't hold it against him for the rest of his life. But personally, just for me, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. And to finish off, from the best name I've seen for a while on this podcast, Slangarangatang. Nice. I think. S-L-A-N-G-O-R-A-N. Yeah, Slangarangatang. Nice. Given Brock's lack of financial punishment after his drug fail, is anyone surprised, motherfuckers, that Nate (laughs) Diaz would smoke weed at the post-fight press conference? Well... He just got the big bucks... He said he won't be back unless it was for Connor, and even if he is sanctioned, it seems he'd be happy to wait it out while Connor fights either Jose or Alvarez and return to fight Connor for the one fifty five pound title if all goes well. Uh yeah, there's actually breaking news while we're just here. Someone uh, let oh. me just see if I can get it. Uh, someone tweeted about um Brock Lesnar has been put on uh Lesnar will be slated to hearing. Lesnar has put on a temporary suspension, and he's going to have a hearing at a later date. So there you go. Lesnar could be fined still. People, you know, he to say he hasn't been fined is incorrect. He probably will be down the line. So uh, Diaz, yeah, the Diaz brothers just don't give a fuck. Like, let's be honest. So there you go. There you go. And a question that actually just came in: John saw the severe guys following Connor around with cameras. Are they working on a new season of The Notorious? All will be revealed. Mm. Sean, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. It was a great week and I hope you enjoyed it. We suffered intense technical difficulties. Yes. Something happened my Adobe audition. This call recording program hopefully works out and we're able to edit it uh, later on. The podcast will, well, no point in me saying when it's going to be up because no one's going to be listening to this live. But the podcast is coming today, Tuesday. Um, Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. We had an excellent trip last week. <clears throat> the feedback and the reaction, the interaction from the content was uh, was very, very, very motivating. As always, appreciate it. It is hard. It is fucking discouraging. I hate, I, Sean, I am doing a 17-hour shift this weekend just to be able to pay back my dad for uh, for my flight. So yes. it's it, to get over there and to experience these sort of... Uh, sort of moments and fights and witness them live and be able to cover the sport warms my cold bitter heart right down at the right down to the core so uh thank you for all of the reaction that we've got sean i believe your uh your articles were a big hit last week the podcast yeah. was a big hit last week big breakdown i think was one of the biggest uh read pieces articles of work 
in the history of Superman. Oh, look oh, at so you. So as always, thank you so much for the support. If you're a new fan of the podcast, welcome. Hopefully we'll see you here next week. If you want to get in touch with us or keep tabs on us during the week, see what Sean Sheehan throw a bit of shade at him over the week. Mm. He's at Twitter, at Sean Sheehan BA. I am at Andrew McGahan underscore. We're both on Instagram. Just search our names. You'll find us as well. Severe MMA is over on Instagram. Uh, at Severe MMA on Twitter. At Pizzy Carroll. At Niall McGrath. Talking Brawls MMA. The other wing of the Severe MMA podcast. That'll be out later on this week. Pizzy actually has some... Um, had a great story out this week about maybe the tensions flaring up even further. He had a news talk between Nate Diaz or Conor McGregor and Dana White. Go check that out as well. But ladies and gentlemen, we're two hours in the book here. We're sorry for the length. It was a big podcast. The Conor McGregor show brought it. Sean, I'm going to miss the five o'clock bus to Dublin now, unfortunately. So I'll get the six instead. It's okay. Tanley, what are you doing now? Oh, what am I doing now? I'm going to cook a nice lasagna. That's what I'm going to do for the evening. Have a little bit of lasagna. Well, it's only like a one, a frozen one that you stick into the oven for 40 minutes and it'll be done. So that'll be nice. You're still and, cooking uh, it. Still cooking it, yeah. Um, not much. That's about it. Now, it was a busy weekend for me as well. I was kind of left at home running the side. I was... Here, were oh, you proud oh, of me posting articles by myself? I was. Fucking unreal. Even You even posted embedded. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I won't be doing it again for months. Oh, come on, for fuck's sake. That's, that was always my reluctance of learning WordPress. I knew how to post things on WordPress. I just as I knew as soon as I started having to do it, then it would be a regular thing. I think I, put, I had 21 posts on Severe last week and like six or seven podcasts as well in different places. So it was a busy enough all week. Excellent. Yep. So there you go. But do you know, Andrew... Until then, we'll see you next Tuesday.